Hey, we're uh, back here on episode 12, and we're looking at a Kickstarter, and it's it's a distiller it's something. that distills things. <laughs> and uh, it's a little pricey and not necessarily the best product in the world. I mean, look, for, for, for people who have no experience with chemistry or engineering or, you know, finger painting, the, this, this, is, this is not terrible for you. If you're, if you're like, a familiar with coffee grinders, this is probably okay for you. I, I, look at look, – so, so you get down, right? You get to the little picture here. It called, it's a spirit hunter picture, and it's a performance. Overheating. No. How is that – that's like a base thing that I expect of something that has a temperature gauge on it. Like <laughs> intermittency. What the fuck are you gonna get intermittent? <laughs> intermittent. Uh, well, I mean, you're intermittently <laughs> pretending this thing's working. I suppose. Uh, I guess temperature lecture. What is a temperature lecture? That's where the thing scolds <laughs> you for fucking it up. <laughs> Outdoor you know, product. It's, it's, out with it's this a bomb voice, lecture, mind you. This is fucking ridiculous. It, like, and, 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 you know, it's good to know. It's good to know that if you buy this thing, it is not predicted to have any body damage or system damage. Great. I mean, or, or very good points. I mean, it was hard tested in the the one and only Amazonia. Oh my god! Oh my god! Look at this! Look at this! This assembly, the 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 setting for all this shit is this this guy at a workbench. Working tirelessly on the electronics that operate this crackpot. Is that the one where he's got the pot plant next to him, or is that the other one? No, just, just there's just this warehouse of shit behind oh, yeah. this guy somewhere and, and, you in know, a nameless it, building it, in it Shenzhen. Legitimately, it legitimately gets better as you go down the page because he has things that look like they're closer to real distillation equipment. And then he just does it in a pot. Yeah, and there's, there's the one where he has the he's using the freaking. Why is he using salad tongs to put the shit in? I don't know. <laughs> those are, those are. Uh, I I got nothing, honestly. I mean, oh my god, <laughs> this is the funniest shit ever. No, so so this thing it looks like it's supposed to be a steam distiller to for essential oils from plants, and I'm all I'm all about that. That's a great idea. Essential oils are fantastic, and so on. And you know, and you could use. I'm sure you could use this to do alcohol to some degree. It's, it look. It clearly looks like it's not intended for that. But like, but the thing looks somewhere between a coffee pot, a crock pot, and a juicer. And I'm not sure I mean, what the fuck they're going for. If you want to do uh, essential oils, though, right, it would be infinitely cheaper, faster, and easier to blend whatever friggin' plant you want, boil it-ish in a sealed container, let that cool, strain it, and then basically yeah. blend it with alcohol and bleed the stuff off. Or like, all you, actually, no, the stuff you're just talking about right there is enough. All you have to do is strain it, take the rinse water, and then yeah. separate out the oil using an oil divider yep. that you use to make gravy. And you yep. know, like, so, so those are the uh, those are the cups. If you ever you know, wonder what I'm talking about, I'm sure you're, uh, everybody who's listening, your mom probably had one of these. It's the the cup that looks almost like a beaker that has a stem that comes from the bottom and goes up. That's to allow you to pour off the liquid section and retain the chicken fat or the turkey fat. From the stuff you based over the chicken or turkey, and if you want to go 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 cold, right? You can just blend this stuff, stick it in a thing, of alcohol, let it you know swirl around yeah. there without any heat whatsoever, right. and then you can just basically strain that and then blow off the air, and you're going to get a pure distillate. Now, if you want to go fancier, if you want to go fancier for the same fucking money they're asking, four hundred dollars for this thing. Oh, that's the early. Get in that's the, the yeah. No, that's the early one. Which, by the way, if you want to get six of them, it's more than four hundred dollars a piece, which is beyond <laughs> me. Why would you want to buy in bulk if it's going to cost more? 
Well, they only have a few uh, hours, and by the time this is up, that that early bird discount is. Oh yeah, it's like the Juicero, you know. Like, do you remember that stupid thing? What was that? Two thousand dollars. The Juicero. That yeah. It's, so that was that basically had a mechanical press that pushed on a juice pouch. Which why wouldn't you just open the fucking thing in the first place? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So some background on that. The Juicero. I think it was two thousand dollars. It was a Kickstarter, right? Oh, uh, AVE. Um, uh, AVE. Art Universe is everything. Uh, he did. Um, he did a great video, a teardown of a Juicero. Oh, he's, he got he's his hands like on one. Three on it. He actually followed up. And yeah. Okay. So, great. <laughs> he, so I, so I will actually endeavor to find that and put it in the show links because it's just so good. I I am just stunned. I, I mean, well, so I was going to say for the same amount of money for four hundred dollars, I just told you is, is you could get the glassware you need. Yeah, the actual lab glassware you could get four fucking sets of it, and a man for four hundred dollars, or you could just get twenty dollar pot. Yes. <laughs> I was say, also, here's the other thing: if you want to, you can get yourself a socksled extractor, which is infinitely more useful than all of that, like a really good fancy one, but also a fucking gigantic one for four hundred dollars. Because a small one is like sixty, Jesus. like a, de- a decent, like you know, a, a decent one, uh, a twenty-four forty ground glass, um, decent socklet that can run. I don't know, probably about uh, say thirty grams of whatever at a time. That's about sixty odd dollars. And if you want to get yourself a four hundred dollar socklet, you're talking about a big beefy boy that'll probably be able to run a pound of shit at a time. I'm just I'm I'm absolutely stunned, and then I, I still think my favorite is these 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 terms that they use. The only yeah, thing in there that's a legitimate term is a condenser, and it looks like a giant spinach blade. I, death. I still like I still like depositor. <laughs> well, what do you expect? It's got to deposit the the, oh the, right the trash non overheated stable product. Oh, uh, God, I love people who try to make things that don't know what they're talking about. You know, so so it was down in Florida, right? And we went to uh, we went to a rum distillery while we were down there because we had nothing better to do. Oh, and, nice. And this right. was this was like last year, and uh, it, it basically <laughs> I felt kind of bad because. Because you go through as a chemical engineer and you realize that these people, they don't have any engineering background whatsoever. They have a general understanding of what their process is, but they don't actually understand the real principles behind why it works. And so then, you know, we get into this thing and they they said, we have this custom made distillation unit and it it's diamond shaped as i'm like no nope. <laughs> oh. like, the diamond shape allows it to properly mix in and get all of the yeah, all of the, the smelly things and you're like nope and I'm like what do you mean he turns around to me he goes nope what do you mean nope <laughs> like well that's not how it works oh you that's had to tell literally the guy not how it works why would you? Why would you do that to the poor guy? Because because there's just there's some like once you get enough knowledge, right? There just comes some points where they take you out of your little reverie of of being in this happy place where you put <laughs> off any sort of realistic knowledge, and they just yank you so hard and face plant you in there. And you're just like, nah, I gotta tear this shit down because this cannot be allowed to continue. Like this is this is like this is like going to see a sci-fi movie, and you're just like, no, 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 yeah, none of that shit. I got, I can't suspend my disbelief anymore. <laughs> you I, fucked I, it up. Yeah, so so you got like I think my favorite was was uh, one of the the pre the prequels for Star Wars, mm-hmm. right? They got the the giant ship in orbit around the planet, oh boy. and it gets shot down. 
And so they're in, they're having a giant lightsaber space duel with a robot inside this thing, and then all of a sudden say, we've lost gravity, and they start tumbling around the interior part of the ship. Oh, like, I know what you're talking God. about. God, yeah. <laughs> we've lost gravity. Nope, it found you. <laughs> it's just on every single alternating, alternating side of the room. Yeah, yeah apparently gravity is rotating. <laughs> like, like, I'm okay with graph planning. You want to say, hey, we got this magical substance that sits there and pulls you down. Hey, okay, fine, I buy that. But then all of a sudden you lose power and then you start bouncing around to the walls because the ship's spinning out of control above the planet, which doesn't no, even that, make sense with laser said. weapons. Instead of, instead of bouncing around, though, you'd just be stuck to a surface. Well, that, that... Tripital force, man. Yeah, I mean, we've probably <laughs> all been on one of those fairground uh, rides that spins you around. Oh, God, the, those are so much fun, though, because, you, awesome. you know, you stick your head forward and lose all blood pressure and you're on your brain. And then you yeah, have but, a major headache for the rest of the day. But at oh, the well, end of the yeah. day, right, unless the, the only time that would happen is if they're in the dead center of the ship. If they're anywhere else, they're all just going to be rotating freely and they're just not going to be attached to anything. They'll just be floating around. Like, it should have been a... An in, well, the, uh, Inception style battle, maybe. So, so yeah, Inception did get that kind of shit better. The only problem was they weren't in a fucking spaceship. <laughs> they weren't. That's what makes it. And it's just everything exploding around them because fuck you. That's why. So, <laughs> blah. So on the uh, oh. topic of distillation, check out this link. All right. Uh, I don't know Sodium nitrate is successfully it. made using lion nitric acid. Of okay, that's fine. Synthesized literally out of thin air. No, that's not fine. Reaction. No, no. Okay, okay, okay. Look, so there is a way to synthesize nitrate or nitric acid out of thin air. Um, there's it basically you just have to shock the shit out of it, um, and I'm hoping that's what they actually did here because oh, otherwise it's going to sound really stupid. It's a matter of building a uh, an incredibly cheap Berkeley. I mean, basically, make an arc lamp. And they'll do it. Yeah, it's uh, it uses a couple of 3D printed components and a bunch of other off the shelf things. It's basically a uh, a big fu to oh, shit. gun control around the world. Oh well, so here's the thing: you don't even need to do that if you want to get nitrate. All you have to do is go strain some dirt. Do people not know this shit? That's how we have saltpeter in the first place. You went out and you strained, and, I, and this is going to sound crude. You strained some shitty dirt um, because that's what plant animals do. They will consume plants and then they'll deposit out the rear end of them because you know there we have actual depositor. Um, they will deposit out the rear end of them a, a much more concentrated form of nitrate salts. And all I have to do is go get some some good field um, field soil, like that's used to, to grow plants, and uh, strain out water from that. You get yourself some potassium nitrate. Well, you, know, you get a bunch of other salts that are coming out of that, but you can do fractional crystallization and get yourself nitrates. I, I think so. I think he did. He did set up basically an arc lamp. That's what it looks like. Yeah, that's what it looks like. It's but, inside uh, the upside down bottle. Yeah, kind yeah. of the uh, the point yeah. of this though is for the person that wouldn't have access. It's like the three uh, D printing yeah. lower as opposed to being buying an eighty percent lower. So sometimes the cool thing can't about do it. that, where this would be like uh, you're a person. A better in question New York is City. why. Well, so so there's a good guy. Fifth floor There's a guy I follow on YouTube, a chemistry guy. I think he hasn't. I don't think he's been active for a while, but he's he's good. Uh, he has some good chemistry videos. Uh, Doug's lab, um, and I believe one of his, uh, his it's either him or another guy I followed, but I think it's Doug's lab. He did one on um, on forming uh, uh, nitrate uh, or nitric acid out of air. Basically, you just you just have a, a significant discharge over your airstream, and then you pass that through water. 
Uh, if you have uh, hydroxides like drain cleaner, that'll that'll soak up any acid that you produce. The thing you have to be careful about is, of course, you can also produce nitrites or nitrous acid. Uh, so you're going to be producing a, a variety of different nitric acids or nitrous acids. Uh, sorry, nitric or nitrous oxides that are uh, that come out of the discharge. So you're not necessarily going to be getting a pure substance. But if you just, I mean, it's also going to be very dilute. Like you, can also, you can always concentrate it. Alternatively, you could just sit there and boil off fish tank water. Just, just throw yeah, that out there. That, well, that so that's would... the same principle as the uh, the cow manure kind of stuff. I, yeah, I know. I, I just, I, I, so I see this, and every once in a while, you see these people, and they post something like, "Oh, look at this really cool science thing that I did." And my first question is, "Why?" Right? I just, I, I it's well, it's okay. the answer is because that's, it's cool. That, well, I, I could, not even I could accept that, but I don't understand why. Like, like you could buy this stuff; it's not particularly expensive. Well, there's know. always there's always a chance. So, so not everybody knows like where you can go out and buy yourself some potassium nitrate. Which, by the way, if you need it really bad, get yourself some stump killer because that's usually ninety eight percent potassium nitrate or sodium nitrate. So, by the way, there's a pretty pure, there's a pretty damn pure uh, source of that out there. Just get some stump remover. I'm I'm just gonna go with Google, right? I googled yeah. potassium nitrate and I got 99.8 percent purity. And oh yeah, it's a 10 pound bag of it for right. 20 bucks. Uh, for yeah. 20 bucks, I can get 10 times more than his 50 dollar reactor. Like, why would I do this? So so again, this, this is this is a very interesting design, and this is actually something that is used in in some rare circumstances. Um, actually, one of the more more industry uh, more interesting uses of say uh, a reactor like this. Is the ketene process for producing um, hydrazines? So uh, that involves a UV lamp and a gas production, and there's a discharge involved. So very cool stuff that you can do with that. It's it's very cool. Oh, uh, Cody's lab was another one who did uh, a gas discharge to get nitric acid out of air. Um, so some people might know Cody's lab more than Doug's lab. It's like uh, seventeen yeah. bucks online though for a, yeah. like a ten pound bag. Why would oh, I I've, do this? So, so the, the cool factor is really the only reason I can see to do this. Uh, this is, I, I guess. Much, much like you're on a list or something. Right, exactly. It's maybe, to make sure yeah. that you don't. And if, you're on a list on if you're on a list or something where you can't buy shit online, then maybe there's a reason for that at this point. I, I, and believe me, I'm, I'm all there with you should be able to do this shit on your own. Yeah. Uh, and with or without a list. But at the same time, like if you're on a list... Have a friend who's going to be able to tell you whether or not you're going too far. You know, <laughs> I, I actually I, I have that. a buddy. Have I have that. a buddy of mine who was on a list, and he got on the list because his uh, his kid is was like I don't know ten ish somewhere around there, oh, and boy. he was hardcore autism, and so oh. all he did was he got obsessed with the twin towers, and all Ooh. he would do right, all he would do <laughs> is he'd take he I don't know why he would he would go and develop the twin towers at scale in Minecraft and then he would do it over and over and over again. So he kept on looking at and Googling Twin Towers plane crash and it was just nonstop and then it'd be oh, like God. Twin Towers plane crash and how many people dead. And so my buddy was going out to try to get his mortgage and they turned around and they said, you're on a terrorist watch list. I'm like, why? Oh, and they're like, oh. For Googling. IP address. <laughs> for Googling. Jesus fucking Christ. Like, so get the use fuck out of here. Com. For any searches that are even remotely questionable, or if you really have that kind of weird ass search, get onto a fucking uh, just go on like I2P or something like that, and and you know have fun searching your dark webs for shit. Just because, holy crap, man! 
Well, I mean, you know, it was it was like perfectly innocent, but it was yeah. it was really funny. But like, you know, the thing is, like, you can't, once you get on those lists, even suing to get off those lists, they use as carte blanche prima facie to put you on another list. Oh yeah, yeah. You, I you like, you try, even away from that whole system. Even issuing a, fr- even submitting a fucking FOIA to find out which list you're on is list worthy. Oh yeah, that'll just put you on a different new list. Well, that you know, if you're sitting there FOIAing yourself, then you obviously there you have concerns about yourself, and that is a list of citizens in its own right. <laughs> but, yeah, well, you know, journalists get put on a list when they when they submit FOIAs, but they're well, kind of you know. This this goes back to the uh, you, you look at the whole Trump thing. Trump was uh, charged with obstruction of ju- or they they accused him of obstruction of justice because he was obstructing an unjust act because it was looking into him for nothing. Isn't it Same kind of thing. Fucking, fucking ridiculous. It is. It is. It's pretty great. I love it. It made me so happy. Okay, so hopping. I, I hope they impeach him again. That's gonna be funny. I I I do too. I really do. You know, while he's getting shit done, they're going to be barking around Congress. Who gives a fuck? You guys are going to like this one. Fiction synthesis of, oh boy. I have to go read this one. Bizorg. All right. Information dense. Super super, uh, non-dense, non-science man breakdown. Basically, complex organic chemicals. Yeah, okay. Uh, blah blah blah. So that so the idea is that they could uh, get to efficient synthesis of uh, of so so here's here's uh, I can immediately see if this if this does pan out the way I'm guessing it does an, an application here. A lot of biomolecules that are important, um, that especially for pharmaceuticals, are notoriously difficult to produce in situ in lab and uh, so in vitro. Or like this uh, one we're hearing about that we need so much of that comes only from sharks or something that we're going to need from that coming. Well, oh, here's another example: is is uh, if we want to get like opiates, if we want to use uh, morphine, we have to get that from the opium plant. We don't have a total synthesis for morphine that is as cost effective as just growing a plant. Mm-hmm. So if you ever see, for instance, the dumb shit we do over in the Middle East, where we have soldiers protecting the crops that other countries are selling back to us. Excuse me, freedom. No, actually. So actually, here's the thing: is I, I actually agree with that because otherwise we don't have those for the planet, not just for us. Well, and that's that's when you start talking about uh, this. This goes into oh, yeah. a deeper discussion on pharmaceuticals. When a, when a lot of people sit there and you get like Barry, uh, what's his name, Sanders. Yeah. Is it Barry Sanders? Ben no. Sanders. Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders. I can always. Those, oh my god! Socialists like Bernie, so, like no. So whenever, like no whenever he gets up there and he says, "Hey, yeah, yeah. it costs a buck fifty for a drug." That's only like one class of compounds that we produce, sure, right? Yeah. Like that's basically your salt compounds, and and that that treats a, a multitude of diseases. And maybe we can make the argument that they're overproduced, but there's QA stuff and all these other things that bloat the cost of that buck fifty pill. As soon as you start talking about these more complex molecules that we use for drugs, any of the things that we have to grow in an animal cell, any of the things that we have to grow in plant cells, that stuff is, A, very difficult to get going on a single batch, and B, it costs millions of dollars to process it into a refined product because of all the other crap that we don't need going into the drug. So So, so you have to understand with these things, like even if you have fantastic yields on each step of a process, a total synthesis, your end yield is always going to be shit. Yep. Uh, and if a plant does it, so here's the thing: if a plant's going to do it, and the the uh, the rest of the plant can be used in some way that's going to drive the cost down, then 
that's way more cost effective than having like a 50 step synthesis that ends up with a grand total of maybe a 3% yield. If you get a 30% yield in pharmaceutical total syntheses, that is an amazing yield. It is. Like, and, and, and we're talking about end product in the damn pill, not like you know I got a batch of the actual pure chemical too. When when by the time so when you start looking at stuff like this, if they have a way to if they come up with a way to synthesize organic molecules without using intermediaries such as modified, uh, what is it? What's the bacteria they use? It's plasmids and all the other or stuff. They'll, well, yeah, you know, they'll do plasmid modification, and yeah. oftentimes they use like uh, um, uh, E. coli and yeah, uh, yeah. That's typically we use that for like insulin production, and they yeah. we can get we actually understand that, and you don't have to go. But when you start looking at like eukaryotic long. cells, in order to get the eukaryotic cell to uh, produce the protein that you're actually interested in, and oh by the way, you have to keep that protein stable and and not breaking down and all this other sure stuff. Make sure the cells happy, which is really it, hard. It, you have to you have to do like you have to force it down a series of metabolic pathways before that gene becomes active. And and so by the time you start talking about doing all that stuff, it is a multi-week. So first you got to culture the thing, just like a, a batch of beer, right? You got to culture More the thing until you actually have enough of it, and then you got to force it to go down different metabolic pathways by introducing other things in its environment. And then after it's been producing enough of that protein, where you can harvest that 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 like mix of goop you then have to basically lyse all of the cells because they don't emit the proteins into the surrounding solution so you have to lyse the cells then you have to to take all of that gunk out and just hope you can purify the protein from the water well, plus all of the residual crap oh, here's the other thing you get the hope. sorry go ahead oh i'm i'm, I'm good I was going to say, the other thing is really you have to hope that lysing your cells, et cetera, isn't going to fuck up the material you're trying to the get protein. out. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, the other part. It's not just the cell, like, rupturing, but if you're also going to be releasing all those lysosomes, uh, which, so that's, think of the lysosome in a cell as being the stomach in a human. It's a great thing that our stomachs aren't able to dump the contents into the rest of our body cavity. Yes. Uh, that would be horrible. So imagine lysing a cell when you when you break these lysosomes that are hanging out inside the cell, those little digestive stacks, they open up and all the, the wonderful proteins that digest everything from inside get to spread around the cytosol uh, and, and the rest of your solution. So yep. unless you have a way of neutralizing those and not neutralizing the protein you care about at the same time, you know you don't want to denature the thing you want to after. For instance, with insulin, you don't want to denature the insulin. You just want to get it out of the cell. So, so at, at the end of the day, like when you start talking about if we have a true way to get actual synthesis, that's going to save a ton of money in the long run, and it'll actually impact drug prices. But whenever you see these people who are complaining about the cost of, of drugs, drugs are actually a lot more expensive to produce than you think. And, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll sit there. There's a whole lot of drugs that are not profitable to make, but they'll they'll get viable because the pharmaceutical company will offload those production costs on other drugs, which are cheaper. Uh, so and that way is, they can provide meds to people that actually need it. Yeah. And, and that, all that said, there is something to be said about a lot of other drugs being way cheaper to make. Yes. And, and the great example of what of those that happen is, so if anything you buy, say from India, that's going to be dirt cheap. It's going to be because it was dirt cheap to produce there. Not because it was, uh, not because the, the price was somehow offloaded to another drug. Those are the kind of like so. Uh, for instance, if you're for let's just use it as an example. Everyone's going to understand, but not actually going to be used to treat something. Caffeine pills. Caffeine is really cheap to make. Yep, really cheap to make. 
And so if you get them in the United States, you're going to have some cost. You can have outside the United States, you know, pretend there was some cost barrier, they'd be a little much cheaper. It wouldn't be much, it wouldn't be uh, uh, more expensive in the U.S. because they're offloading things necessarily in a direct fashion. Part of that's the R&D forward, um, forward investments that they do as well. Yep. So you have to consider that they have a, basically a five-year a five-year term before the patents wear out. Uh, so drug patents are very short-lived. And in that time, they have to A, recoup costs on the drug that they, they've, they've expended the research on, but they also have to get enough cost to cover the library of, of candidates for the next round of whatever they're making yep. that are going to be complete failures. Like and, all the way out into phase two kind of failures. Those are really expensive failures. By, by, by the time by the time you're done with all of it, like it, the, the actual profit that pharmaceutical companies make is not particularly large year to year. The majority of them. Every, every once in a while, you'll have a banger year, and that's what everybody likes to sit there and go. They say, hey, you know, you made 30%. Yeah, well, they'll, they'll make 30% this year because they just released a brand new drug, and it's, you know, for a yeah. unique therapy and all this other stuff. But then all of a sudden, the next year, they're back down in the 5% margin, or, and they're trying to recoup costs from all their crap. Or 10 years later, they made a really major fuck-up at the beginning of the, of the whole thing, you know, for yeah, instance, like exactly. the, I don't know, Biox, uh, where they find out that, oh, it's exploding hearts. That wasn't a really good idea. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> apparently, it works great for pain reduction, you know, until you die. Until it's permanent. And that's that's kind of the thing is every single time we start talking about uh, drugs and drug manufacturing, it's actually really expensive to do. The whole the whole life cycle process is very expensive to do. And yes, there's a crazy markup on on each drug that works, but a lot of that goes to pay for the drugs that don't. And we kind of miss that point. Now, also, another thing to consider with uh, big pharmaceuticals is a lot of the money there isn't in the individual treatments. It's more in the scale. It's because, I mean, you're, you're serving the sure. world with these necessary things. Yep. yep. Now, all this said, you have that prick who's, uh, who's I think, been hanging out in prison for a little while. Uh, you know, so, basically, so if you have someone who comes in with property management and decides to, to buy a drug property and then, uh, and then sell it for hire... Uh, you know, so taking something that was, I don't know, like, say, $10 a pill and making it $1,500 a pill. Uh, if you have a prick who comes in like that, uh, just because a uh, just because insurance companies will pay it. Uh, and so that was, that's actually one of the major things there is, is people think, you know, oh, there's, like, say, a cancer treatment that has a huge, huge expense to it, except that the insurance companies are paying it. Well, that's the incentive to raise the cost on these things. And the unfortunate thing is if an insurance company doesn't pay it, then their cancer patient dies. That's also terrible. So there really isn't, and there's really no way to help the people who are caught in the middle without insurance, without finding a way to just get them on in some kind of insurance. You can't just like talk. I mean, well, you can just talk to the company, but they're just not going to listen to you because you're not, you're not say representative of ten thousand customers. You're representative well, of one. The, the the problem when you have people come in, or and I, I know who you're talking about, but yeah, I can't really that's, that. Person. That is really. Yes, that guy. Yeah, Shkreli. 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 Uh The problem with that is actually that's not just a drug thing. We see it as a drug thing because people yeah. get all no, antsy when we start talking thing. about that. I mean, but that is a universal like... problem that we have with IP and patent kind of around the world. Uh, and yeah. we call those, for for those who are not in the engineering community, we call them patent trolls. 
And what yeah. they do is they walk in and they buy up a whole bunch of patents and then they will either sue people for not using them or jack the price up on whatever the, yeah. the technology is. Or they'll just sit on them like a prick and wait for you, everybody to scream at them and then they'll sell for a high price. That, uh, this right. could be really well uh, realized is to think about the people that park on domain names. Yeah. Yes. Similar yeah. in that kind of way. Except yep. for me because when I park <laughs> on a domain name is because I want to make something funny later. Okay. But when I say that, you know, I I have like ten or fifteen domains I just kind of hung out on. For instance, what was it? I think I had AOC Healthcare <laughs> for a while. <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Uh, <laughs> a lot of opportunities there. Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm not even looking to like make money on. It. I just thought it was fucking hysterical. And if she was going to run on something, I was just going to like you know put put a couple memes up or something. I think I did the party cows always goes a long way. Well, here, here's what I did. I actually, uh, you might remember the reason why this was funny enough later on, but I got Sarkeesian.Okinawa. Huh. Uh, yeah, because she was talking about bombing them back to, um, to uh, what was it, traditional values? Hmm. <laughs> so I went and put some memes of her with pretty quotes up. Sarkeesian? When was she talking about bombing Okinawa? No, she she said, uh, you know, something or another. Uh, we bombed Japan back to traditional values. <laughs> I was just like, you really said that, okay? Yeah, these. Wow. There's a there's another GamerGate throwback to people that are oh, yeah. somehow relevant but completely irrelevant in the actual grand scheme of things. The only relevance we had was that the names, the domain name was parked. I, I think I think the biggest thing with Sarkeesian and Gamergate that was a huge fuck up with the whole community is they gave her attention. They should have <laughs> just ignored her and let her be a troll with her own little domain you know, rather than trying to pull her into the discussion. It's funny because I'm actually watching The Boys, uh, the that series on uh, Amazon. Yeah. And I have to tell you that in the second season, that, that the bitchy one that comes in, she just reminds me of her. Well, I mean, she's like she kind of looks like her, but even though she's like a, she's supposedly she's from Portland or whatever, I'm just like, oh, this is just this is she just looks like she looks like Sarkeesian, but like you know, with an entire face makeover. Uh, Sarkeesian was a, a special oh, so Sarkeesian with a face. So, so I, I've always I've always been amused by this because this this seems to be the case with like social justice types. They all tend to be like absolutely hideous. Like rejects from the genetic pool, and so they, find, they find one that's passable as a human being, and maybe under the right circumstances with su- sufficient alcohol would be fuckable. And then they put them out in front and say, "Oh my God, look! This person is the icon of what we're talking about." Meanwhile, you go to the Antifa thug page, and it's just <laughs> of God's rejects. Uh, what it is is it's a, it's just a list of recessive disorders. Um. You have, you have, you know, you can just sit there and go, all right, fetal alcohol syndrome, fetal alcohol syndrome, <laughs> fetal alcohol syndrome. I don't know what the fuck the parents were thinking. And this just keep going. No, just, there are people no. there who there are people there who clearly did not have all twenty three chromosome pairs. <laughs> and then there are some people there who happen to find the missing ones and collect them all. Oh yeah, quite a few even extras. Yeah, there's there's like that one guy who looks like his head's trying to mitose. <laughs> There's there's like half of them that look that way. Come on, let's be honest. Uh, it's, it's and they all they amazing. all they all have like the same appearance. I, I it's just fascinating for for a, a group that wants to champion diversity. They are the least diverse looking group of motherfuckers. Well, they, they certainly give humans diversity. It's just that they're the tail end of the curve. <laughs> 
Uh, poor, poor people. And so with that, that's all right. Another that's all right. We have we have a, we have we have a place for them. It's called Portland, and they should just <laughs> just they be there. Yeah, the only problem is they spread. You know. Yeah. I, I they spread and scream. I support a Snake Plissken option. You know, I I watched a really excellent uh, series of documentaries about New York and L.A. Uh, <laughs> starring Snake Plissken. Uh, I believe he's with Mutual of Omaha, maybe. And they really bring home the point of how to deal with these problems. They really do. All well, you do is you don't listen to the child that's screaming. Instead, you wait for them to stop screaming, take them over to Dairy Queen, ask what the fuck they want, take them home, and then ground the rest. Fair, fair. <laughs> I, I like the wall, too. You know. And the- well, I don't like the idea of just like telling them, all right, uh, if you don't want to be a citizen of the United States, then your passport's now voided. Welcome. <laughs> just go ahead and try to come back in. Fuck you. I- I, it's it's just an absolutely fascinating group of individuals. That's oh, that's the reality of it. The next they are they are You're special. Uh, uh, Surprising! Boo. Absolutely no one. Narcissists <laughs> so, are drawn to leadership theory. Oh well, everyone so, knows. That. So Start so quiet. so I will. I'm going to throw out that any single time you see science on narcissism. You should take it with a whole shaker and the ten pound bag of salt that you keep for you know doing stuff on the rocks. The, the, the reality is that that psychologists throw around narcissism all the time, and oh, yeah. they tend to try to apply it to people that they don't like, and that tends to be so. So it, because it is a socially <laughs> it is a socially distinct field. Uh, oh in that God. it is Distinct. basically 96% left wing. They tend to throw that on CEOs, political yeah. leaders, and anybody that disagrees with it. Right? So, so and a perfect example of this is there's actually a study that was published, I think it was two years ago or three years uh-huh. ago, where they came out and they said that uh, folks on the right are more likely to be narcissistic. Right? And this is, this is again, one of those things well, that you see whenever you see that. And they turn around study? and somebody sat there and went through their data and found out that their data was wrong, right? The data was actually said the that opposite. That sounds very narcissistic to me. Yeah, well, it does. <laughs> but, but they found out that the data was wrong and that in reality, it's the left wing that tends to be more narcissistic. Now, I'm not saying the left wing is more narcissistic, but what I am saying is that ultimately, a lot of times this gets tossed around as a thing and it very rarely holds up in peer review. Oh, here's here's something funny. Or, sorry, very rarely holds up for replication, not peer here, review. Here's a funny thought about it, though. I think it was a 2014 study that, uh, that was uh, that said that intelligent people are no longer on the left or on the right. And then, uh, of course, there's also the fact that by study, I can't remember which study it was now, that the people on the right tend to have more and better sex. Um, so uh, quite frankly, if it's the right-wing people that are narcissists, they also seem to be the people who are getting laid more often and are also smarter. So maybe there's something you said about narcissists then. That correlation but you know that does seem to be what it is. And then they do they'll do some funky things when they're doing like left right dynamics. I think one of them was they tried to have people solve a math problem while drunk. Right. And then it, they, then if they go and they solve the math problem while drunk, they tend to think more conservatively. And you're like, oh my god, just just <laughs> shut up. Yeah, okay, and what about drug tolerance? Is that going to kind of factor in at all? <laughs> I, I, have, I have no idea, but, but you know, 
I, I the the thing to me is I turn around and see this, and I say, so so you start having to use your your side of your brain that is devoted to logic and reasoning, and all of a sudden you get conservatism. Not a fucking surprise, right? Like this is this is. <laughs> wait, 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 hold on. You're gonna tell me that engineers tend to be a little bit more conservative too? I, they they oh, certainly God. do compared to the rest of the the rest of the academic population. I mean, wait, wait a second. In course STEM, like you know, sci- like uh, chemistry and. Uh, and uh, bio- well, biology to mostly to the same degree, and physics, like, you know, that kind of shit, uh, the, math- the hardcore mathematicians, they're going to be a little bit more conservative too. Is that, that kind of what you're going with there? Because uh, yeah, certainly, certainly more so than the 96% left-wing psychology. That's, this is sounding a little bit racist. Or, uh, I'm not sure exactly how you're coming off of this, but it's also a bit sexist too. Well, it's, it's good to know that the Democrats is a race. <laughs> oh, absolutely, it is. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, you know what? I, I know that they're opening well, up the gender question. I think I that's a great out. thing. You should just, you know, all of these people who want to, you know, they, they want to operate outside the gender binary, they should just put down under gender, Democrat, and you're okay. Look, I found out, you know, earlier this year that whole countries are also races. So, uh, and, and this actually, several several years ago now, too, with the, uh, the quote, Muslim ban, when they decided they're uh, banning Muslims that, uh, it was, was going to be a major problem, except that it didn't ban like what ninety three percent, ninety four percent of Muslims on Earth. Uh, it uh, was just like you know, and then you had to go down to number seven on the list before you got to any of the countries that are the top ten most populated. Yeah, yeah. Well, well that, you know, you know what? All right. Uh, the math is yeah. really important. It's the sentiment <laughs> that counts. Uh, I mean, I, I know that like you know, there's there's some thoughts there about exactly how are you going to be able to make this offensive to you personally. But it's you know, there's if you only have like three no, options, what the hell are you doing with your life? You got to come up with more things you're offended by. It's, you got to be creative with this kind of shit, otherwise it's just going to get boring. Well, I, I thought that that's right. So, so circa circa 2014, when I came into the culture wars, I thought they would get bored. I thought they would get bored and go home and shut up and go away. And they didn't. They just got worse. No, 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 no. Not they won't get bored because they're stupid. I'm talking about people getting like, boring to me. I'm bored by this shit. Like, be, be offended by more interesting things. You know, be offended by people who have their middle finger longer than their, their forefinger. You I know, I just you know I I thoroughly support everybody's right to be self righteous, but don't come complaining to me when nobody wants to give you a a dime for it. That's all I'm saying. See, I'm offended by that personally. Uh, I don't know. Well, uh, that's too fucking bad for you. <laughs> Oh man! But going back to the original topic, narcissists drawn to leadership theories. I'm just saying that anytime I see narcissism show up in a psychological paper, uh, I'm gonna wait for the replication because it pretty much is guaranteed to fail. I'm not saying that they're wrong. I'm not because this this kind of falls under the heading of like no shit Sherlock. So usually the no shit Sherlock papers are like accurate. I'm just saying until it passes replication. It's probably bullshit. Well, fair enough. It was in American Psychologist. So, you know, give that whatever weight you want, which is uh, potentially... Well, I think their their overall, uh, their batting average is 80% failure. So (laughs) you're you're more likely to, whatever, whatever the APA says... If you argue against it, you're more likely to be right <laughs> at this point, just well, just, just statistically point, speaking. It used to be reputable, you know? Yeah, yeah, sure it was. <laughs> it used to not be a fucking clown book. 
Oh man. Oh, Siam. Look at Siam and their specialty so, thing. I'm so upset with Siam right now. Oh like, my god. Like so so they, they threw out like uh what was it, like a hundred years of credibility? Yep. With In uh with one, one fucking editorial. One editorial. Yep. Last thing, it was the editor's note. It was the ed- it's basically a glorified blog article at the front of the magazine. So they had you know every month you have it come out and then you have the editor's note up front, and then they decided to to endorse fucking uh, Biden. So like, what the fuck's wrong with you people? Like you're, you're the whole point of these. If you're gonna have politics involved, it's to be subtle about it. Like put it, put it in like the intro to your fucking articles. We all know global warming's a problem. <clears throat> And then keep going. Uh, you know, I'm looking at you. Repu- okay, we're not going to say the word. We're just going to just stare at you and think it really hard. Well, like, and that, that shit, I, right? I don't understand why they did that. That was... Oh, that here's, here's was... the funny thing. If I order sea salt right now, it'll be delivered November 3rd, along with all the other salt from around the country. <laughs> there's, there's bound to be a fair extra supply. Well, this will be Mediterranean sea salt, and it's extra coarse grain. I, I, I am, I am looking forward to. The th- well, actually, I don't know. Oh, there, there I don't know. I, I, I still course, am. Course I am still not sure there. how this is going to go. Well, here's the thing: if you have enough ammo at home, then you should be happy about having that night go down, whichever way it does. Yeah, fair. Because either you're going to have a bunch of neighbors who stand with you, or, or you're going to have some neighbors who are slightly miffed, especially if they try to come over for a cup of sugar and find out they can't get any. Oh my god! Well, uh, it'll be interesting. I uh, my my largest concern, right, is if if Trump wins and they throw a revolt because <laughs> that's kind of what they've been doing for the last four years. Yeah. Like, what do we do? We've had we've had what three coup attempts at this point, and you know, hasn't worked out so well. They've been woefully ill-equipped to deal such a blow to our noble republic. <laughs> All they all they've done is firebomb their own houses. Like, well, no. Here's the thing is, I feel really bad for the people who are in the community who are just trying to fucking yes. living. And then all that all they get for for being there, trying to have even a, a modicum of reasonable mm-hmm. uh, expectations for society, is they get shat on by all these young dumb fucks who come by with torches. They aren't even from around their neighborhood either. They just come in and torch shit and go away. <laughs> Like, uh, you know, well, welcome home, you fucking assholes. Well, actually, that just happened with uh, some Portlanders that went uh, to Vancouver, Philly? Washington, I want to say. Like, oh, uh, okay. It's like an hour away because, uh, uh, what was the story I heard? Some guy shot at police, got in a shootout, and oh, yeah. ended yeah. up getting shot to death when he was shooting a gun at other police. Yep, yep. And so because he got in a shootout with police and died in said shootout, they need to riot and loot. Excuse me. They need to drive an hour away to another city to riot and loot in the name of the people that are offended there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we also saw a nation of riots over a guy who OD'd on fentanyl and, and pot. So, oh, my God, you know what really pissed me off? I don't want to throw that politics thing? out there, but there you go. I, you know, what really pissed me off about that is that if you actually go, the the people were going, "Oh my God, they didn't find any evidence of the like specialty hired whatevers," right? 
if you actually dig into it, the, the other people that the family hired to go look at it, they didn't even bother with the talk screen. They didn't even bother with – they just said that because, because of the, uh, the nature of the, 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 the cuts and bruises on the guy's face, that indicates that too much pressure was used and all of the actual damage well, that we would normally expect to see wasn't there because it's soft tissue. You're like, here's the thing. Like, I agree that there, there were ways that, could have been, that all could have been handled better. Sure. You know, but Chauvin's a piece of shit. I think everybody can agree with that. The, you know, the guys sitting there all joking about it. Hey, you're going to check his neck, etc. No. Like, yeah, we get it. The guy's a complete fuckhead. And he should have been, you know, if he was going to die that day, he should have been, he should have died sitting up in the back of the cruiser with someone pounding on his chest to get him to breathe. Absolutely. Well, yeah, so yeah, everybody can agree on that. But the fact that, like, tell that the guy was not with it at oh, it. Oh, man, I watched the I full don't... fucking thing from when they go up to the car and they went all the way back to where he died. And, like, I gotta say, there was there are so many ways it could have been handled better, but at the same time, like, holy shit, they should have had an ambulance show up at his vehicle, not at the police vehicle. Yep. It should have been, that, that was so clear right there and then. Well, I mean, the, the, so so the difficulty you have, right, and this is this is from my time as an EMT, the right. the you are not going to get a medical crew there until the, he is fully subdued, and right. that's not like that's not like the ambulance won't show up on site because your EMTs aren't armed, right? Like right. the cops. If you, have, if you have somebody who's going crazy, they they aren't they aren't showing up until the cops get them subdued. So so you can turn around and say that this is the this is this would have been the ideal scenario, but but EMTs right. won't show. Well, so the thing is, like, you could have had him around the corner or some shit. There could be protocol for that, blah, blah. You know, shoulda, coulda, woulda. Sure. Well, that said, even the EMTs that showed up were actually in TACFest. Well, that that also said, like, the first round of EMTs that tried to come out ended up at the wrong fucking place, like, five minutes in. And it took them another five minutes to get there. Yeah. There was incompetence at so many levels in that scenario. It was mind-boggling. Oh, absolutely. That was that was a, a shit show and a half, but it is. Uh, I'm not sure I would. Uh, I would be. The thing that always bothers me with these protests is I they they always choose to go. They never hi- they never highlight somebody who you're like, yeah, that guy was a pretty sweet dude, and 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 he. Well, sure. They take the pieces of garbage. Why the hell not? This is the perfect opportunity for everybody to come together. The guy's a ceased, uh, concealed carry holder, like in good standing, doesn't have a record. Yep. Bad shoot. Well, the whole shebang. Nobody says a goddamn word. Well, here, here's another thing. Like, let's go beyond you know the pieces of shit that are chosen to be martyrs. Let's just look at how the, how things were handled post facto. There, they everybody there was there was. Maybe five people in the country that didn't agree that Chauvin's a piece of shit. We need to take care of this thing. How do we make things better? They took all the goodwill that existed in the country, and after a week, they destroyed every last shred of it. It was all gone. Nobody was happy with them anymore. They had a handful of people that were left going, yeah, BLM. Everyone else... I think it was... I think think they've actually... At this point, there is less support for BLM than there was prior to the, oh, no, the whole the hard numbers, thing declined tremendously it was uh something like 40 percent among republicans before yeah. the like at the time of here's the other thing you know you found out that blm not only is is uh staffed but you know not only was it founded and, and currently operated by a bunch of avowed and trained marxists um 
it's funny because all the Jews, uh, and I can say this one because I can, you know, come from a community here. All the Jews that had had figured out that BLM was basically staffed by anti-Semites at the top just kind of forgot that overnight with this whole thing, and then you know they got to find out all over again in a very happy manner. Well, it's, it's you know it's just, just the level of hate at the top destroys all the goodwill that comes in from the bottom. And it's sad. Well, I mean, I think that, that, you know, for me, right, like for me, and this is this is my thing, and it happens every single time you see these left-wing cases. Yeah. I agree with the premise of whatever the left is arguing, right? I, I agree that in, in the abstract, we should do the absolute best we can to protect every member of our community. Uh, sure. we should not we should not target anybody. I do think that there's a lot of things that can be done with policing that's unfair, but at the same time, at the same time, right? Some people fucking deserve it. And we have to get over that fact that that sometimes there are shitbags and the shitbags are going to be in a the shitbags being shitbags are going to do shitbaggy things and they're going to put themselves in a position that is not good for their long-term survival. <laughs> right, and, and that that is the reality that we live in. It is a shame. It is terrible. I wish there oh, were yeah. shitbags, but that's the reality of it. And I can't get over, I can't get over and sympathize with individuals who are actively fucking up their own life. I just can't get there. Now, if you turn around and you find somebody who is uh, is is the cops are targeting unfairly and you highlight those cases, I'm perfect. I'm right there. Cause I've had my fair share of bad run-ins with cops. Like you get somebody that's underserved that should be getting, you know, proper treatment or proper protection, you know, cause that's absolutely. a real thing. You know, that happened in my life as a matter of fact. In my, yeah, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think that there's a, a person among us who says that the cops act, uh, you know, the best that they could in every single scenario. Most of us yeah. either know somebody who has been screwed over by the police or has been screwed over by the police themselves. But don't come in to me and, and, and grab someone and say, hey, yeah, you know, you, yeah, I know he was on a, a, you know, a, a, an overdose level of fentanyl, but <laughs> no, 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 hold on. Let's back it up to this. Well, I know, that, I know, you know he was on a five-month bender, but. Right. You know, I, I, I know that he's been arrested 15 times for, you know, cocaine abuse, oh, and he put that's a, thing. that against a pregnant woman. I love, I love yeah. that shit. They're sitting there trying to make him seem like he's the everyman's black man. I'm sorry, yeah. but no, yeah. that is not the typical no. experience. No. In the community. And, and it's, it's not. It's not. It's not, and we, we, we need to deal with that. We, we, have to, we have to be able to have conversations about the bad things that do happen to good people. Now, he might have been sitting trying there to and trying to make law. bad people into good people so we can talk about the bad things that happen to bad people. He might have been trying to get straight with the law and so on. It might have been that he turned his whole life around, etc. But we, nobody knows that because the guy was doing fucking pot and fentanyl. Yep. And he, he OD'd before anybody had a chance to get, him know, get to know him any better. If we're entirely honest here, I mean, first point, the pot kind of doesn't matter. But second point, which really matters a lot, is he had just flipped like a bad check on somebody. So, of course, the cops are going to come. Well, so so I think, you know, this is one of those. I don't think it was a bad check. It was like a, a, a bad counterfeit. Point. Yeah, it was like a counterfeit $20 bill. Oh, sorry, and yeah. I mean, like the whole police call on that, that's something that happens. Right. So so if you've ever worked in counter service, people people have counterfeit bills. A lot of them don't even know it because it doesn't get caught. Right. Like it's very, very possible that he was entirely doing the right thing and he had a a counterfeit bill by mistake. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. I mean, right. That's that's entirely possible. He decided to run instead of stay there when the guy called him on his bad bill. Right. Exactly. Well, no, I, think, I think he stayed there. Didn't he stay there? Oh, he went. And he got in his truck. That's oh, why I went okay. and got him. He was like a. He was like a, around the block over in his truck. And the guy. I thought, Kirk, I thought that he was still like at no, the, the gas Kirk, station or whatever. Kirk came out and uh, when the cop showed up, the Kirk came out, pointed to the vehicle, which was uh, around the corner across the street. Hmm. And uh, and then the cops went over to get him, and because he was in the car with his, I guess his was sister or whatever. So uh, his sister or, and, and other yeah. people. Yeah. Um, and he was in the car already, and they were basically they were just kind of hanging out, getting ready to leave. I, I mean, again, I I don't think the cops should have been involved. Need all our counterfeit bill, right? Like if it was the yeah. the thirty the the the, the tenth time that week that he'd come in and dropped off a counterfeit twenty dollar bill. Then you you inform the cops of what's going on, and they can look well, to maybe set up a sting my operation. Guess, my guess, my guess is that he him bugging out is probably what tipped the clerk off that he knew. Uh, well, that's that's uh, if you I think if you go back to the phone call that clerk was saying yeah. was he's acting all weird and blah blah blah. Right. And the, and that the cops responded to that, and they also said, "Hey, yeah, it could have been, okay. been, could have been a well check involved from that." And then and that and that that's even if that's the case, it was handled even worse. Oh, oh yeah, yeah I mean, absolutely. If you're looking at that <laughs> as a uh, duty of care kind of thing, then yeah, it's yeah, it's an absolute failure. It's like what what I don't understand is how is it that he got out of the cop car once they got him into it, right? Oh, like he, that, he complained tremendously about not being comfortable being inside of a vehicle, and I mean, it's already shouting. He can't breathe before he got to the damn car. Yeah, yeah, no, I know, but I mean, yeah. like if you if you look at it, right? They load him in one side of the cop car, right? Yeah. They get him in there. They get the door closed. Everything's all set to go. He could be there, or they can meet an ambulance. They can get to the hospital. Yeah. They're in a good spot. And then all of a sudden, he bursts out the other side of the cop car. What the fuck happened? Well, he's talking about. He was talking a whole lot about him being uh, uncomfortable being in cars, and you know, yeah. guess something happened to someone he knew about things, and he had a whole complex about it. The other two people who were in the car with him initially were telling the cops, "Oh yeah, he has this thing. You know, he's he's really scared right now." You know, and, and all this, sure, treat him with kid gloves and keep him subdued and whatnot. But you got to, there's that duty of care thing again, that just monumental failure there. I, and I agree. Like, they, there was failure all around. I think that, that yeah. you know, I think that there's consequences. You also should have just fucking listened, is the main is kind of what is a big thing. See, I uh, disagree with let that. Me, let me just. Like, like if, unless it's an unlawful thing, if you listen to a cop, um, it just goes better. Let me, yeah, that, let me just I stop agree. you both for a quick second on that and talk yeah. about. The talk. A lot. Oh, I got. Do you think that people like me don't get to talk? Yeah, no, exactly. I got to talk. <laughs> exactly, like any good I, parent gives hey, their kid the talk. I'm sorry, I, I got, I got the talk. Uh, look, if you, if you ever get pulled over, it's yes sir, no sir. Keep your hands on the wheel and look forward. I got the talk. Exactly what they say. I also didn't do the listen, and I faced the consequences <laughs> of that. Right. Like, exactly. Let like, you go. It was, but you know, I got told you're 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 at a disadvantage here. You get you're going to, you know, you're a guy. If you're ever involved with a woman, then you're going to get screwed by that. You're a guy of you know particular community here. If you ever get pulled over and you don't follow orders, you're going to get screwed by that. Yep. Yeah. No. I and I nobody will have sympathy ever. I I remember I remember getting the talk, and I I absolutely remember not listening, and I also remember that the first time I got a ticket because I didn't. They're about to escalate it to something else. 
<laughs> right. And and there's been a few times where I was so indignant at the fact that like the, I've had officers that would follow <laughs> me with their lights off for like two miles. Oh. And then, I, and then they, they just finally like, they thought they were going to get something. Have that one. Yeah. Like they, they think they're going to get you on something because it's end of the month or whatever. And it's yeah. their quotas up. Yep. Yeah. Cops are fucking pricks. And then they turned around like he almost tried to pull me out of the fucking car. I turned around. I, I, I said, I. I have a witness here and this is not going to go well for you. And it calmed him. Dude, the fuck. So, so the couple tickets that I've gotten every fucking time, they always call in extra units. And I guess it's, I get, I must look like I'm strung out or something. If I'm coming off my Adderall or whatever. Uh, Cause well, I was, I, so, so here's the thing. I went back to my parents' place after doing practice one night. So I played a sport in undergrad and I was driving back to campus and I, I was the brilliant genius who decided to pass a cop. Uh, wow. By the way, don't ever do. Just I didn't realize at the time. I was just like, I need to get home. I had dinner with family. It was nice. I want to go home. And and I was on the way back to the dorms, and they get pulled me over, and like they they brought in extra units. They did the canine sweep and everything. They said, "You want to search your vehicle?" And me, you know, of course, you shouldn't ever consent to this shit without them nope. pulling a dog on you. Refuse consent. But I went ahead and Always. consented. I consented because I thought it was going to be funny. Because I just came back, I my shit had been in the car, my, my gear was in the trunk since after practice. So it had been sitting in there festering from my sweat plus Florida atmosphere for hours in, in the trunk of this this uh, this Honda Accord. So they got to open that shit up and take a big old whiff and then poke around with their bare hands. I'm sure that never came off with washing. So. So I had a great time watching them dig through my shit in the trunk and find nothing. You know, I, they, I'm sure they found a couple Kemi textbooks and went, oh, and then left. I've had, yeah. I've only had multiple units called on me once, but they, uh, they absolutely, like, I used to get every two weeks, I'd have yeah. a cop pull me over and give me a ticket. And they, <laughs> they, they pull you over, right? Because I lived in a poor area. Right. And I'm probably the the least dangerous looking fella in the area, so that's probably why I got pulled over. Um, but I, I literally, I, I got pulled over and got a ticket every two weeks. And every two weeks, I was going down to the courthouse and being like, "This is fucking bullshit. What the hell is this shit?" <laughs> I got I got a ticket for traveling in the left hand lane of a two lane highway, specifically because <laughs> I and I was doing this. I was doing this because. I'd almost had half a dozen truckers who were getting out at 1 a.m. from the friggin' bar uh, almost almost cleave my my little Toyota Corolla in two. So I was, like, super paranoid right. about it. And the cop sits there and pulls me over, and I go, what did I do wrong? Like, I, I was I knew that I was within the speed limit. I knew I had all the stuff. He said, you were traveling in the left-hand line. I'm like, that's a law? <laughs> He's like, yup, <laughs> here's your court date. And I'm like, what the fuck? I've I've had him pull up. I've had him pull up and sit there and tell me I have an out headlight, and you can actually see it reflecting off his badge. Like <laughs> we all we all get the talk. It's it's a real thing that we all oh, get. It's not. Like, when they pulled me over, they thought they were going to get a goddamn drug bust. That's what yeah. happened. Like, every time they think they're going to get it. It's it's it, cops are dicks, and, and when BLM goes out there and says, "Hey, cops are dicks." I am right there with them because well, cops are dicks. It's like, duh. Yeah. At the same time, like you kind of need them around because sometimes yes. they need to be they need to be the bigger dick than the dick you're shooting around. <laughs> that's that's you know? exactly right because there are scariest there are scarier assholes that live without consequences that you don't want to be anywhere near. Like, 
been in apartments where dudes are trying to come in through your door in the middle of the night, and you don't want to know who you want around? You want a cop right down the street. Well, Because right. that guy goes away. Well, the answer to that question is really, you are your own first responder. But it is good to know that you have somebody that can clean up the situation if it gets ugly. Well, that's the other thing is, if you have a first responder coming up, and you're, you know, say, say you're not your own first responder, you have someone else showing up, you're waiting... At best, at best, if you're lucky in a in a good uh, a good police neighborhood, your your best average you're looking for is five minutes for a response time. Yep. And unfortunately, if you have some dickhead in your apartment with a gun on him, thirty seconds is roughly your response time that is going to keep you alive. And if that, so if you have some some guy who's got to come four and a half minutes after you've been shot and then call an ambulance, I'd rather. And this this is a cliche, but you got to say it. I'd rather be judged by 12 than carried by six. Fuck it. That's you know, I'll, I'd rather live with someone else's death on my conscience than have to deal with the fact that I'd be dead. And, well, and I think, I think that's true for most people. I don't think that's a, a crazy statement you know, in any there's way. Obviously, shape or there's, form. There's, there's obviously part, there's answer C to this where nobody dies, but like just, you know, push comes the shove. You can't if I'm in that situation. That's just the nature of the world. There are some people like, I, that aren't going I, to back down, and sometimes you yeah. need to be somebody that doesn't back down either. I, yep. I'd much rather that I could I could find a way to get out of the house, run away, and then live, and have them live. You know, get the cops after them, have it resolved peacefully, etc. That's just not the way that reality works. Unfortunately, there's always going to be that. There's always a situation, unfortunate as it is, sometimes where there's there's no way to get out of the corner you're backed into, and it's you or them. And I'd much rather have a situation like that where I'm armed and I could make it me rather than them. Now, on that specific note, right now, it's pretty hard to find uh, any of that equipment. But something you can find for really cheap is a 3D printer. And yes. I absolutely <laughs> recommend that you uh, search Control-Pew. Now, here's the other thing. Everything you need to know. On 3D printers, here's some recommendations for you. Um, since this is actually part of the stuff I've done for my thesis research, uh, with, is, is uh, the composites and shit. Um, for 3D printers, there are, is a wide variety of wonderful composites out there that will make you fantastically printed, very, very strong items. Uh, just you know, do 100% infill if you're trying to make something functional. And if you go for the composites, make sure that you, uh, you understand that sometimes composites are going to come with wear and tear. So, for instance, a short fiber, a short, short fiber carbon fiber composites um, are going to shred up your nozzle. So you're going to get, you know, only so many good prints out of those versus just straight up PLA, which will, you'll have a nozzle that'll last thirty years with straight PLA. That said, uh, I will link. Uh, I'll actually, I'll get the link for you guys right now because oh, sure, yeah, this is really good. It's an all metal machined hot end made. Uh, Basically, yeah, so there's hex. Uh, uh, what the hell is it called? It's a hex. Uh, hex something or another is a great hot end, all metal. Ah, uh, goes up to. Hot end. Yeah, I'll get you the link huh? for that. That's the Pico Hybrid hot end. I'll get you the link right now. Actually, okay. It's on Kickstarter. Well, I know there's one that goes up to like 300 something degrees. In fact, actually, it's on my metal. Um, my my printer bought uh, metal. Um, it's the hot end goes. So I so one of the things I did for research is dealing with TLCPs. Uh, don't worry about the acronym. Um, but the, 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 that plastic melts pretty hot. Um, and, and, uh, okay. So that actually, that's, that's, so that looks pretty good. Yeah. It's, it looks yeah. incredibly promising. 
So, so, so the hotter, some of the more advanced performance plastics, like for instance, the glass fiber reinforced nylons that you get, like say a, a high quality drill, the plastic casing for the drill uh, is probably going to be 30%, 30 weight percent glass fiber reinforced nylon 6.6 or nylon 6. Uh, and those, those kind of performance polymers, uh, those high impact polymers are really, you're going to be, you're going to need to make something uh, robust from a 3D printer. Uh, especially if you want to have some sort of uh, high impact driving behind it. So, for instance, the breach of a device, um, you might want to use um, one of these high impact materials to hold a metal breach in place, because you're not going to want to use the, the polymer as a breach. Uh, a breach plate is what you know takes the impact of of firing out. I'll have a link to that in yeah. the uh, in the show. So, uh, a breach a is simple. You could guide there. You, you can use a stack of like four quarters and get a decent breach. By the way, uh, it, you know it'd be a shitty one overall. Sure. You, you could probably only drive out like say a, a twenty-two reliably, but all things considered, four quarters is pretty damn cheap since you have a dollar breach um, instead of having to machine something. And well, I'm going to have to. There's also electrochemical machining, which has basically come an incredibly long way. Due to yeah, uh, well, gun control. Anyway, you're saying, Steve? Oh, I, I just, I'm gonna have to get my 3D printer operational. Yeah. Like, oh, I, 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 I always run into this. The, the fundamental problem I have with my 3D printer is I don't have any use to print anything. It's like, oh, you can print like, all yeah. kinds of things. What's that? Uh, this... you can print all kinds. Of so, so here's the first. What's the first thing you print with your 3D printer? All the fucking accessories that you wish you bought with it. So that's the first thing you should do is, is it seriously, like my, my, my printer bought simple metal. Um, the first thing I printed for it was, was the feet for it. And then I printed the, uh, the print head thing to make it easier to squish it down and, and loaded a new filament. Then I printed out the little cog you put on the front of it to rotate new filament in. And then I printed out the little stand you can sit on top of the two poles to hold your filament. So like all this, all this kind of shit, it's, it's, it's basic, it's simple stuff. And it gets you to the point where you're competent with a 3d printer where you know your settings work. So you can get all those kind of quirks out ahead of time just by practicing making parts, high-quality prints for your device to make it more functional. And if you're ever trying to figure out, like, oh, why the hell would I print something, that is an excellent reason for you to do it so you get to practice it. Yeah, I mean, this is the future of manufacturing, and it's 3D printers are going to be well, a very common thing it's, people it's, comes in a not in a not-distant-at-all time. Here's the thing. It's not the future of all manufacturing, but it is the most rapidly growing sector of manufacturing right now. And so so about 40% of everything plastic around you is injection molded. That is the biggest section. That is by far the biggest sector of uh, manufacturing. 3D printing going to grow very rapidly. Mainly because, and I was telling Steve about this, you can reduce your warehousing. If you pr- say you make uh, a car product, like you make a product line, all the replacement parts, virtually all the replacement parts for that product line are manufactured when that product is introduced or shortly before that product is introduced. So if you want to get a part for a 20-year-old car, you're looking at a part that is probably 20 years old. With 3D printers, you can order it that day, have it printed that day, and then pick it up that day. No, no warehousing costs except for the polymer pellets. Well, actually, in this case, we could be talking about you know a part made out of even laser... Uh, yeah, laser-centered metal, uh, metal right. powder. SLS. So, I mean, you could yep. you could recreate the original part, you know, to its 
to whatever specifications. To so, higher so in the uh, industry jargon, what he's talking about there is selective laser centering. So SLS, that's a type of printing uh, that uses a really fine powdered melon uh, and it uh, sweeps a little thin layer, uses a laser and a little mirror up the top to draw out a pattern, and then it goes to the next layer. SLA is the polymer fluid that is used to uh, produce parts, and that is that's the other kind of generic plastic 3D printing. That being said, too, there is a uh, there's a 1911. Uh, they sold actually a limited edition run of them. Yeah. That. Uh, I do want a 1911. Years ago, I mean, this is years ago when I first heard the story. It was up to ten thousand rounds, and the, everything short of the springs. Yeah. Was 3D printed. Oh no, sorry, the springs and, and the firing the pin, right? magazine. No, firing pin. Really? Yeah. In wow. A barrel as well. That's that is that's awesome. Oh well, wait, wait, you're talking about 3D printed. You're talking about SLS though, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So here's the cool thing, and here's and this is back when people were freaking out about the Liberator, uh, which was making me laugh. So in 2015, I went to the uh, the NPA oh Amtec yeah. trade show. I went to the NPA Amtec trade show in 2015. I was walking back with a colleague to the academic side of things, the SPE conference, uh, and I had my hand out to the side. I was expounding on something, and a guy slapped the lower receiver and handle of a Glock in my hand, a Glock 9 mil in my hand, stainless steel. He said that was printed this morning. I just looked at him because the thing was, I mean, the inside wasn't polished up, but the outside was polished to a, a freaking mirror finish. And it, it felt, it was just a gun. You know, that was basically the, the part that makes it a gun is the lower receiver, right? So, and that's so that was on technically a gun he just printed. Uh, if if it comes down to the point where I need one, uh, you know, maybe I'll make myself one. But the reality is, I'd rather surround myself with friends who have much heavier armaments than I feel like spending. Right. <laughs> like you want to have you want to have go you want to have uh, uh, Gomer, right? In in terms of in terms of inventory and warehousing things, I would much rather you know have a friend who's got a guy who knows a closet. Than uh, have that closet myself. What you want is what you want is the gun nut from Tremors. Oh, I've got like three of those guys. Yeah, I always I always make sure I'm within a five minute response time of one of those motherfuckers because if the cops don't show up on time, they will. Right. <laughs> so you, you just tell them, hey, game time, and they're like, all right, I'm armed. Well, no, they they the, the you say it's game time, and they go, oh, how big your round you need. Mm-hmm. No, they just show up and they pull down the back of their truck and they say, "All right, I got the twelve, I got, I got the nine, I got the 10. Yeah. So, it, are you looking for a short, long, or medium range here? These guys show up and it's it's like the the Men in Black weapons closet, and you're just like, "This is really a gun?" They go, "Oh yeah, this was made this this year, and it was only five of them." Dude, did you see that that there's that demolition video recently? The one where he, gets, like, he pretends to get pulled over by a cop. <laughs> he's just like the guy. Cops like, all right, sir. Do you have any guns in the car? And he just keeps pulling guns out. And he goes around to the back and he keeps going larger and larger. Bore. <laughs> he's just like, what? What's this one? Oh, this is my this is my parrot. <laughs> and then at the end, he's just like, well, sir, I still got a sight. <laughs> he just he just runs because like, I guess he like just crossed a state border or whatever is the is the kind of the joke that's involved. Yeah, it's funny because the cop just keeps saying, "Is that all?" He's like, "No." Nope. <laughs> I I have seen and held a Brett fifty cal because one of my buddies wanted one. Oh like god, I, said, I want one so bad. So 
they that's a ten thousand dollar gun. It's really it's yeah, a hundred dollar round. Like so yeah. I, know they <laughs> I, I asked him like, you know, we, we were gonna go uh we were gonna go shooting one day. I'm like, bring the beret. He goes, No, you're not that good of a friend. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> So my little brother went and shot one at a range because uh, they, they, I guess they had one at the range, and, and all you had to do was pay for the ammo, basically. Uh, and I guess, you know, so he's so based that that means he got to shoot, you know, a couple of couple of hundo rounds, and you know, apparently it's it was worth the money to fire the damn thing. I was like, oh, you piece of shit. I'm I'm sure I can it imagine is. It really is. I would love to have one of those things myself. Well, but yeah, you ten grand and that license is just oh, license. Yeah, yeah, you need, uh, you need a you need a nice yeah you need a heavy nope. pretty heavy license on that. Nope. No license to drive to the store and buy it. That's oh, you see, you ideally, need. ideally, that's what I would say too. Unfortunately, the reality is that if you want to get one of those things, you have to uh, you have to go and get fingerprinted and all that kind of shit. All. Yeah, all not right. even remotely. You can buy as many fifties as you can nine millimeters. Were you not aware? I don't now, think if so. you're in California. Or New Jersey, then that's an issue. But um, otherwise, no, you can mm-hmm. own a fifty cal. It's the same sure, as anything I'm else. Sure that's uh, under well, the federal. No, it's not a destructive device. It's so so sad. Sad thing. Actually, my little brother, um, he's actually out in California. He's looking to get the fuck out of there. Thank God. Uh, but he's he's over in California right now, and and he actually uh, he had he has a couple guns. And um, if you didn't know, the federal limit on magazine size is ten due to the fucking. Uh, Fucking shit that Biden signed back in the nineties. Well, not uh, even though that's expired. Even though it's expired, um, California decided to double down on that crap and make the limit on the magazine size seven. So yeah, he actually we have, had that, to leave his, we have that in New York too. He had to leave his fucking magazines back with my parents um, when they did that because it was illegal to possess them. Even though, if, even if you already owned them, there's no grandfathering or any of that shit. Well, no, it, it yeah, for a long time, time there was a word grandfathered in, but. Then in the past, I want to say six years, they took out the grandfathering, so people had to get rid of them. That's see, that's just disgusting. Oh yeah, no, it's garbage. Yeah. It's like you already own the thing. Are you going to do this? A lot, of, a lot of the states pass their own laws, right? So, so New York yeah. has the Safe Act. Right. And the Safe Act did that, but it was so broad, it was actually kind of funny because the police couldn't even carry a firearm in the state of New right. York for a little while because they didn't actually have an exemption for anything. It was just straight up. It. Yeah. So here's a you have to have a seven round magazine and nobody made seven round magazines. It was really funny. It was yeah. pretty great. Oh, and uh, speaking of hot ends, actually one of the things I ended up doing in uh, in, in grad school uh, was uh, designing a hot end for a three D printer. That was uh, so the people a couple floors above me, they were doing. Uh, they had some a senior design project for some undergrads, and another guy in grad school, uh, another PhD guy, doing the uh, like the head of the project. And so they came down and talked to us in our lab, our lab because we had kind of the expertise they needed at the time. And so I just actually ended up designing the hot end for a six-axis printer. Uh, and then the guy up, upstairs I had to program it. He had to add it to Marlin firmware. Um, but it, the Marlin firmware is really extensible. Uh, you can add in your custom M commands pretty easily. But they, originally they were using this thing at like, like it was a melding gun. To to like uh, to, to weld together um, polyethylene or, or, or HDP uh, panels, and the problem was that that thing is a mini extruder, and we're, the stuff we made is like fiber reinforcement that's continuous. So to put it into this thing, it chops pel- it chops the strand up automatically to make pellets, 
it's like, oh, well, that's the precise opposite of what you want to do with our material. So we had to start from scratch and make our own hot end. So I ended up making the hot end, but I designed it and then you know, had one of the undergrads throw it into a mesh thing and, and do a little bit of thermal analysis on it. You know, it turns out it was perfect as we thought. Oh, right on. That's cool. And then, then we had, you know, then we actually had like parts of it. Man, we had it made, and the damn, the damn thing worked just fine. I was ecstatic. Well, I can't like imagine thing, uh, being an engineer and having something designed and worked in one shot is going to be anything less than kind of a whole. It was fucking phenomenal. Like you had to do, you had to do two iterations on the hot end design itself, just because the metal work that was involved was kind of intricate, and we needed to, redu- you know, reduce certain things to make it easier to, to put through a lathe and whatnot. Like the undergrad laved it out. Like it was, it was all handmade in, in our our group of people. It was pretty awesome. Oh, that is pretty slick. Oh, but this one I've linked you up. It uh, goes to two hundred forty C. Sweet. So, um, so the that's stuff I worked with. That's, that's quite impressive. So, so the 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 TLCP stuff I work with. Um, of the range of them that that I used, the lowest melting melted at two hundred and eighty degrees C. Uh, and then, and then the hottest one melted at 350. Whew. So, not quite amenable to that hot end. And actually, it was at the upper end of the hot end I have on my printer about simple metal. That thing tops out of 300C. Yeah, I think these guys are trying to uh, get an ultra... But it's not hard to get them hotter. Um, part of the... One of the main limitations is how you're heating a thing. So if you're just using a one-jacketed... Um, cartridge on the one side, then the, the thermal difference across a collar that you're going to have is significant enough to burn material, if you're not careful. So what you need is to have um, multiple heaters around the thing, and around the barrel for the hot end. On that note, actually, if uh, you've still got the Kickstarter up, they've got an upgrade that they're wanting to come out with shortly after this, a 503 yeah. that uh, looks like it's a full surround for the hot end that they make, and that sounds yeah. like that might be that could really be a complete game changer for the home 3D printer. 500C is is uh is no joke. I mean, that's going to get you into some of the most advanced materials and if you're working with a high-end metal that's not going to abrade all that quick, you can So that's... so it's interesting um so you can make near durable goods at home with something like that. So if, if you're just using, if you're just printing polymer, being able to get above 300 degrees C. So so here's what you have to consider: the way you control these things is basically by doing orders of magnitude analysis to get rid of the, the transient issues. So basically, if uh, if all of, so, there's a thing called a diffusion length, um, and and there's a uh, there's a thermal version of this. That's that's a similar idea, and you just think of the the thermal conductivity as being like diffusivity. So there's again a, something like a diffusion length inside a, a thermal system, and basically that's how easily a heat source can see a heat sink. Just to keep things simple, so if I change the temperature suddenly somewhere, if it's something else is within one diffusion length of that of that change then that something else is going to be able to see the change quickly. So, it, you know, if you're, if you're more diffusion lengths away, then it's going to take longer and longer for you to be able to see a sudden change. Does that make sense? That makes sense, but I'm kind of lacking a, a... Well, think of it like this. There's kind of, imagine that you're, you're out in fog. Yeah. Imagine you're out in, in fog. 
the further away something is, if you're walking, if you're walking at constant speed forward. Oh, okay. So uh, uh, you're looking at orders of magnitude. I, I think I understand. So yeah, like it's kind of like orders of magnitude. Less uh, effective or less yeah. visible or less. So you want to have like what have you? If, so you want to have stuff that you're going to try and heat like within the diffusion length of your source. Yeah, like uh, your hand above an electric warmer. You know, it, right? It yeah, gets, the further away you are, the the longer it takes the hand quickly. to see the heat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all on the same page. So, so what you do with, with orders of magnitude design is you basically, so the control of something is going to say, okay, if I want to adjust the temperature in the nozzle, say I have the thermocouple right on the nozzle and I have the heat source uh, more than a diffusion length away. If my heat source is not like gigantic, then I'm not going to be able to overcome that distance, that thermal distance quickly and get stable control. So if you basically, if you, if you beef it up so that your heat source is able to just kind of flash, so to speak, the uh, the barrel with uh, with extra heat and get temperature changes. So you think like this: All right, if I have a tack hammer or if I have a tack nail, and I use a tack hammer, it's going to take me several strikes to get it in. But let's just suppose that I have really good aim, and the nail can only go one direction; it can't bend. Then, if I use a mallet, a three and a half pound mallet. I can drive the fucker in in one shot, right? Sure. Every time, no matter how that that nail is placed on a different on different surfaces, until I get to the point where the nail is not harder than the surface I'm driving it into, a big ass mallet's going to get it in every time. So that's the kind of power of ten design principle: is you want to have an order of magnitude difference between the thing you're controlling and the thing you're controlling it with. Oh, that makes sense. So if I wanna, if I want to heat up the stuff inside the barrel, I want to know that for given the mass flow rate coming through and the, the difference in temperature I go for, I want to know that I can achieve that difference many times over. Before, like Between the, the residence time of the barrel and the diffusion length from the, uh, from the heat source and the heat sink, I want to be able to kind of be able to, to flash that temperature difference easily. And so that's, that's, that design principle allows you to get away with a whole lot. The main difference, the main deviation from product design and efficient, effective product design is going to be cost in that regard. So that's why a lot of times you'll see a single, heat, a single cartridge heater hanging out to the side of one of these nozzles. And that's just not very effective at getting heat into the plastic, but it is dirt cheap. So what we did was we put six cartridge heaters around the barrel and we got very effective heat transfer. Uh, but then again, this thing was big. You know, it was about the size of my fist. So unfortunately, not not a good for a small three D printer. Yeah, this thing looks to be a little bit fatter than a quarter at most, and about yeah. as tall as maybe six of them stacked. So if they put a decent cartridge heater in there, then they probably uh, they probably get good. That you know, the whole power ten thing is probably what they're getting. And looking down there where it says easy, safe, toolless, blah blah blah, and they can, they show the nozzle. You can actually see the heater on the side sticking in at like 90 degrees. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a cartridge heater. Uh, so that's the kind of heater I'm talking about. So that that right there is typical of a design where they don't really go for kind of a maximal efficiency on this thing. They just kind of jam a cartridge heater on the side of it. And so the main problem you have here, especially you can notice there's all that, that cartridge sticking out. Uh, you're not supposed to do that ever um, because that gets hot. And unfortunately, conduction is not is uh, is much better at transferring heat than convection and and radiation. 
So the other part of the cartridge is conducting heat through the metal into the hot end, whereas that stuff sticking out is limited by convection. So you get this thermal differential across the cartridge, and that can crack the stuff inside. And if it cracks in the wrong way, it'll shear the um, it'll shear the metal that's actually heating up the inside. And if that shears, it breaks the connection, and it, it, it breaks the cartridge. So you have to heat those up very carefully if you have air exposure like that, and you're just not supposed to have it in the first place. Well, they're offering a one-year so, warranty, so uh, they must be pretty... Well, I mean, if they heat it up slowly, or if it's if it's a beefy enough cartridge heater, and they've, they're only heating up a little bit, then I guess it's okay. But, you know, you, yeah, I mean, real careful with that kind of assembly. Time. I mean, it's a brand new... Uh brand new thing and it looks yeah. like their upgrade doesn't appear to be much different i only see one input or maybe two Let's see. so they have a silicone insulator okay uh aluminum heat block aluminum's good depending on the aluminum i'm assuming it's the right kind uh and then the the nozzle i don't know what the nozzle is uh they've got brass and uh, that brass and steel so okay a2 steel at least yeah. so brass is a good thermal conductor so here's the here's the here's the annoyance thing with the steel um, regular old steel is, uh, so iron has the thermal conductivity of, of like 54. Copper has like a, a thermal conductivity of 400, just for reference here. Silver is like 360. Styrofoam plastic, or styrofoam foam, foamed up plastic, the insulator, has a thermal conductivity of around 0.1. Stainless steel, unlike regular steel and iron, has a thermal conductivity of 16 about one-fourth that of steel and iron. Hmm. So stainless steel is not good as a thermal conductor. It's actually a relatively... It's a, it's a shitty insulator, but it's an insulator. Yeah, A2 is a tool steel, I think. Right. So, so A2 steel is still okay at conducting heat, um, if memory serves. Just to clarify on that, too, most tool steels are going to be higher carbon steels. Now, here's another thing. A2 steel, I'm assuming they're using A2 Vega. A2 steel is air hardening, so you don't have to put this through an oil bath hardening step. All you have to do is get it really freaking hot and then let it sit there and uh, cool off slowly or whatever. It'll reorganize internally and harden up. So that's actually... I, I've, so I've, I've used this extensively uh, for making molds and shit uh, for, our, for the research work. So it's great for that. It also machines really well. I um, went with it then. Yeah, so it's it's fantastic. So when I go and talk to the machinists, you know they 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 you, you try to get parts that are close to the dimensions you want, and you also try to make stuff that easily machines well, uh, and or sorry, easily is machined, and also will stand stand up to the rigors of what you're going to do with it. So when I use a hot press, I basically need stuff that's not not going to warp under a significant amount of heat and pressure. And A2 steel fits the bill after you run it through a cycle of uh, heating at the beginning. Although you have to do it unlike I did with two of my three molds. Uh, I was stupid. I decided to go ahead and, and do the full heat treat on a couple of molds. And I forgot to put the little fucking ball on the uh, the chimney of the assay oven. So the, the little ball you stick on top prevents oxygen from getting in. Oh, okay. So so uh, so I forgot to run the oven hypoxic. And so what happened was, of course, the surface oxidized. Because mm. you what you're supposed to do is crank it up to 1,500 degrees. So you can't supposed... have any of that surface oxidization. Right. So I need flats. I, it was machined flat. I needed it to remain flat for sake of consistency in experiments. I was, I was basically creating plaques, uh, flat plaques, and they need to have a consistent uh, cross-sectional area in terms of volume, in terms of the size and shape. 
Uh, and unfortunately, having oxidation completely fucked that up. Okay. <laughs> I, was, I felt really bad about it. But the point is, like, so the idea is to air harden it. And to do that, you bring it up to 1,500 degrees, and then you, you hold it for, like, an hour and a half, and then you bring it down. And so I went ahead and did that, and I forgot to put the ball in the chimney, and that totally fucked it up. You know, I scrubbed them off, and they're still kind of, like, okay to use for some kind of parts, but not for molds anymore, unfortunately. No, but I, that's why I got three of them made. I see. I see. Yeah, the only thing you could do from there would be to have it precision ground, but if it's a mold, you know, you've got... Oh, well, the thing so is, is, I just hardened it. The problem was I just hardened it in the oven, so to, to, to machine it again would require me to use even harder tools, and it would have to go way slower. Well, no, you can actually get a lot of that precision ground uh, when you uh, get up to that, because it's it's just a better and easier way. You just use abrasives, as opposed to... Well, like, yeah, so the the easier way to do it was just to get more of them made. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. I'm just saying, there, just well, there's always steel. solutions. I mean, I don't have yeah. to tell you that. You're an engineer, but, you know, there's... No, it's, it's, not, like, it's, not, that it's, it's not just that there's always solutions. It's that there's always more than one way to skin a cat. Indeed. I take offense to that on a personal level. <laughs> uh, Look, you can always put the skin back on. You know, it'll wake up and feel a little funny, but... You know, on that note, uh, just to get back onto Shakrelli, he was talking about uh, some really wild stuff right before they locked him up, like uh, investigating oh, reviving necrotic flesh and uh, some really, really wild stuff. The end result <laughs> was that there was... Uh, he was he was trying with a not even troll level, but a genuine concerted effort to potentially revive Harambe. Oh my god. Dude, that would have been amazing zombie Harambe. Yes. Yeah. That would be So so I actually regretted I regretted in 2016 not voting for Harambe given where my vote was being counted. Because quite frankly, it, it, and again, in this election, it also similarly didn't really matter as far as the presidential uh, vote. Um, but like, so apparently of like the 15 odd thousand people that voted for Harambe, like 11,000 of them were in Florida. I'm, I'm unsurprised not. by that for some reason. I should you not. Wow. So I was sitting there after I found this out from, so, so it was funny. So another person I know is from like uh, Melbourne, Florida. And and he was talking to his girlfriend at the time about it. She was like very upset about it. He said, "Well, I wish I would have voted for Harambe," and she got all pissed. Because so she was just mortified that eleven thousand people voted for Harambe. Like, where do they get her out? You know what? Hillary Clinton didn't win by didn't lose by that much. Where do they get off doing this shit? <laughs> no, it's, it's like yeah, eleven thousand votes would not have done it. All right, but I, yeah, it would have been a closer race. Fine. <laughs> uh barely though right like it wouldn't have just been there it's like you start digging into the the electoral college win that he had it was he could have lost florida and still yeah. been okay right but like, at the same time though like he didn't win florida by that much but it was more than eleven thousand votes you know it was well, more I mean, than the loss to, it was more than the loss to harambe and the bernie bros i i would uh I, what, what what is the concern there in the fact that Hillary, like, who's really upset about that? That's what I'm curious about. Well, I mean, like, anybody well, the, the, girlfriend at, the girlfriend at the time was very very much upset that he found it funny that Harambe got eleven thousand votes in in Florida. Well, I thought you were those... talking about Huma when you said the uh, girlfriend at the time. My bad. 
<laughs> yeah, deep cut there, right? Yeah, who am I, Abedin? Oh my god. The, the, AO, the AOC lookalike that followed Hillary around everywhere like a fucking used tampon. <laughs> so Wasn't gonna... she, uh, she was she was the one that was uh, was a fan of Wiener there. Yeah, yeah she, she was Anthony Wiener's plaything. She did and, yeah. uh, uh, and she, she it was her, it was, and you know she didn't like Wiener so much after she got with Hillary. So and so uh, so Huma Huma's um, Huma's login was used on Wiener's laptop, which is why six hundred fifty thousand emails were found on his laptop. <laughs> because she would want to print shit out at home, and he would comply. You, you know, I, I, I every single time I, I go back to this, I coming from somebody who has the clearance and deals with like the security associated with it, I have no idea how a private server was set up. I, I just, I can't even comprehend the level of complexity that went into doing that to say that it was a mistake or anything like that, that, that just goes out the oh, water. But all the, all the complexity was in the mental gymnastics that were involved. It's really easy to set a server. Well, the, the, it, it's <laughs> not, not as much when you're talking about classified network. Those things are like behind firewalls of death because they're right. constantly under attack. Yeah. Well, let's right? look at, let's look at, um, let's look at Deborah noodle here. Who's uh, down in Florida. Uh, her, her, and her uh, what was it? Pakistani tech workers who just who fled the country after they got uh, <laughs> implicated. But, uh, but, but, what really bothered no, me about me. that That's is fact if Hillary had just they stuck flee, with, they left. Yeah. Okay. If Clinton had just stuck with, they overclassify information. I think I think a lot of people would have been okay with that. But then she was going, "Oh, I deleted thirty three thousand yoga recipes or whatever the frig it was." And you're like, "What?" <laughs> What the fuck's wrong with you? My favorite part was that they found them on the phone. They lost them. They found them again later, and that magically disappeared. And oh, then they all showed up again on the fucking laptop. And I was sitting there going, all right, you guys, there's a level of incompetence that's about to arrive here that I'm not prepared for, where you lose the shit a third time. Just go well, ahead and tell it, me it, now, you know. When we talk about Hunter's laptop, you know, this must yeah. be the difference between the private and public sector. Because Hunter Biden's laptop has to be the first piece of damning evidence that the Democrats haven't had a hard drive go corrupt on them just before it was required by Congress. <laughs> well, the like, thing is, like that said, it's a thing is, like, not only did they have a copy of it, the FBI sat on it for a whole fucking year. year. Yeah, yeah. They've had this information for some while. They've had, this, they had this info since, like, what, December of last year? Yeah. Like they, they basically sat on it for a year. They 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 opened up an investigation. They didn't do shit on it. And now they, when you inquire about it, they can't talk to you about it because it's an open investigation. It's like, well, they need to conclude it, assholes. Well, I, I think the 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 bigger question here, right, is actually lies with the media. This is this is of all the oh, things that we can talk about, right? Because there's one thing that engineers do, and this is what we do really well. When everybody wants to know what we do as an engineer, we, we you can argue on one hand we're glorified calculators, but the real <laughs> – that's, that's what a lot of what pretty we good, do. Pretty good, all right. A lot, all right. lot of what we know is glorified calculator. But the key is to sort fact from fiction, truth from I would argue. Reality. I would argue right here that these are one and the same. Uh, yes and no. Because you have no. to be able to you can you have to be able to tell whether or not one side of the equal sign is equal to the other, and it's either bullshit or it isn't. Because either someone decided to use an extra no, an extra bit of decimals that don't need to be there. When you, when, you come, when you come out of the academic space, right, and you go to work right. in the real world, the first and most important lesson that you can have as an engineer is to go to the fucking source document. It, right. The rest of it does not matter. It doesn't matter. 
what your calculation shows or what they say. You have to go to the source documents and you got to read them. And so when you start talking about the Russia investigation, all this other stuff, the reason I didn't believe it was there was no source documents. Well, there, there was oh, no, there was a source document. There was a source document. It was firmly up Christopher Steele's ass. Well, that wasn't really a source document, though, right? There's no actual discussion. It's it like was, a discussion it was tightly rolled. And then it bowed up. It was tightly rolled up, and it was jammed. That's, you know... The thing, the thing that is stunning about the media and the Hunter Biden laptop story is not the fact that like Hunter Biden did sketchy shit because we kind of knew he did sketchy shit. Like this is not really a surprise to anybody oh, yeah. other than the mainstream media. And but they're turning around and they're saying, "Oh my God, we have no way of confirming this." And you're like, "Dude, <laughs> we have we have a trail. Like this has got to be the most do- well documented scandal in history." Like there is nothing we have. We have signatures. We have a laptop. We have emails. We have data of that emails. We, we have, have corroborating evidence. It. We have corroborating we, evidence. We, we, we have, have people who come up and say, "You're going, oh, we can't that confirm that at the time." What is we, have, we have witnesses. We have witnesses who know know the people well, have a documented history of being with them, and like and are are willing to say things. Have submitted devices to the FBI. We have right. forensics on the emails that have confirmed that they're legitimate. Like we have we, we have forensics we, on the fucking have, devices that say they're legitimate. We, we have a document trail, a series. You can confirm it at literally every level of the story. This is probably the only time you ever get a scandal documented this well, right? And they're going, oh, my God, we can't verify it. I'm like, what, what is wrong with people? <laughs> no, you, ran, favorite, you ran Russia for three years. No, no, no. no my favorite is reading the transcript to the 60 Minutes interview with, with Trump. Oh, where, I, I, I didn't even dig into that. I haven't oh, had time. No, where, where, she just, where she just says, well, we can't verify that. And he's like, no, you can't. She goes, no, we can't. <laughs> it's, it's like this lady willfully is denying reality at this point. And, well, he's, it, and just Trump's just like Trump, Trump can be a dumb fuck and he can be an asshole. But he yep. is precisely the opposite of both of these in this interview. And that's in this specific instance. He's absolutely within his rights to call this shit out because it is so well and clearly documented. Well, and that's that's the thing, right? Like, I understand arguing that, like, none of the skepticism that comes around the Hunter Biden's laptop has been in the media for the last, like, four years. Yeah, none of, none of it. It hasn't existed. There has been no... They, oh, no, 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 you're wrong. There, if, if the skepticism has existed, it has been whether or not Hillary, Hillary Clinton's deleted emails matter. Well, maybe. Maybe <laughs> you could call that... But uh, I, mean, I don't know if that's skepticism. So those weren't outright campaigning. Were acid washed? No, no, bleached it. It's bleached not acid. It. Oh, right. You know, Sorry, all branding. Back in the day, data no. security was done with Derek's boot and nuke. But I guess we've moved beyond that now to something that's not. Well, I remember also having a, what was something that was called the incinerator, which is a fantastic piece of software which would uh, do bit level overwrites. Um, but you could do you could do the military the military requirement of seven overwrites, or you could go all the way up to a thousand. Well, sorry, nine hundred ninety nine. Oh, so so Derek's boot nuke went way beyond that, right? Derek, so so right. the a lot of the other programs, you're right, they do overrides, but Derek's well, boot you did, you did random rights and stuff like that too. At, right. So so they would they would basically mask the information and change it, but then you could sit there and you could try to retrieve it from some of the ones and zeros. Derek's boot nuke goes through and changes every single digit on the hard drive to zero. It, right. it takes forever to run, but every single every single bit 
Every single. I know, I know the kind of I know the, I know the kind of software you're talking about. There's actually a, there's fantastic com, uh, commercial uh, available. It's actually Linus Tech Tips did a video on one recently. Uh, it's it's like this this deleting this deletion key that you can get. It's just it's a useful. There's there's plenty of free implementations and yada yada yada. But yeah, the one yeah. one he was showing was actually pretty snazzy. The uh, the 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 UI for it was really cool because uh, it was it was it was a boot menu and then you know it gave you options for like not fucking it up. You know I told you before about my my uh, my history with doing things I wasn't supposed to back in the nineties, um, and that was one of my favorite ones. Uh, that was one of my one of my favorite ones to do was uh, was to have a, a, a boot. Uh, MBR um, override that would uh, that would just wipe um, inserted media. Oh, yeah. Um, and you can, it was, that's unrecoverable. Is the fun part. <laughs> I I just you know what I I've always believed wasn't that, a uh, that that the Democratic Party is a bunch of pussy magnets. They're all a bunch <laughs> of pussies, and they must have a galvanic personality because all of the data around them just gets corrupted just magically so that's all i can say on that well a galvanic personality excellent article you guys are going to get a real kick out of this oh boy from the very very reputable vox.com oh oh this so um so actually i think there was it was what like eight thirty odd thousand eighteen thousand something something like that was the uh, was another article uh, that was that was on the Twitter trending. So the the always you know always accurate box All all we can say to this is Black Lives Matter does not spread COVID, but rallies do. Well, and yeah, that's absolutely. all you need to know. Well, a whole fucking summer of the shit where they weren't masked. So here's the funny thing: they they keep saying they were wearing masks. You look at the pictures of them. About half of them aren't wearing masks, and of the people wearing masks, about three quarters of them have them down below their fucking nose, off to the side, on their fucking foreheads, shit like that. Like it's just you don't don't give me that shit if you're not going to wear it right. And then of course they're also wearing cloth masks. They're wearing AST level ones around a whole bunch of people who are going to infect them, so they're not going to infect other people. Fine, but they're going to get infected by other people. Well, then like AST level one does not protect you. Well, I still, you know, I I still stand opposed to the whole entire thing. But either way, at the end of the day, you put a whole bunch of people in a spit in a spot. At least a handful of them are going to infect, be infected, and they're going to spread. And that's that. The reality is, when you come out and you say that Trump rallies are super spreader events, but well, Black Lives Matter rallies aren't. That's that's just like it. It basically. I- it there's takes something away else here. Credibility incredibly here's, now there's there's something else big here. There's something else major that we have to consider. So you also you mentioned this kind of in passing as part of it. It's not just that you have a bunch of people show up. It's that you have to have them show up repeatedly to have a super spreading event like this. That's true. So, so you, you have a bunch of people show up. So say you have one person show up who's infected. You're, they're going to infect you know maybe twenty thirty people total. You have to have that same number of people come back. Again, after their incubation period has reached the infection stage, so once they've gotten to the point where they're shedding virons or viruses, then then they're infecting other people. That takes days, you know, a couple days, but it takes days to happen. And when that starts happening, then you can start talking about major spreadings happening, because then you go from like twenty odd people to like four hundred or a thousand. So, yeah. like, say for instance, if Trump had. 
don't know. Just as a complete out of the air example, he happened to do rallies for a hundred days in Portland. In the same location. Yeah. In the same location. Yeah, let's yeah say sure. He did uh, you know, rallies for a hundred days well, this is, in the city this of Portland. Is... Do you think that? Wait, when you actually have... dig into this article, this is all bullshit. Like, it's oh, yeah. all bullshit all the way down. <laughs> well, it's Vox. I'm not really expecting her. No, but I mean, like, like we're talking about research. This isn't that they documented 700 deaths and then they can attribute that to Trump rallies. Yeah, no. they made a model of that, right? Yeah, basically they've turned – I'm not sure if it's a model. They basically turned around and evaluated the counties in which Trump has held rallies. Well, there's a thing in the to the counties floor. outside of that. There was this but, thing in the Twitter Explorer that attributed, like, and, and this is earlier today, I think, that attributed, like, 30-odd thousand deaths or cases or whatever. It didn't matter. They attributed 30,000 somethings to these valleys. I'm just wondering, well, you know, if you guys have done any of the same bullshit analysis on the other events that have been occurring, yeah. then you might have come to a conclusion that makes you look not so smart. Oh, no, so this is the right one, then. You have 30,000 incremental confirmed cases and then likely 700 deaths. So this is the same one. Yeah, for rallies held between June 20th and September 22nd. Yeah, yeah, this is, this is just horseshit. Sorry, just, you know, uh, fine. Yeah, no, sorry. Fine, you know, it's it, 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 it kind of trickle-down effects. 30,000, fine, I can I can buy it. 700 deaths, I might even be able to buy that. But you are just, you're you're so focused on the small potatoes here. Well, they, they, they're they doing this in, so, so they did it in 18 counties, so that's their sample size is 18. Right. Right. They're only doing it in uh, majorly populated counties and then comparing the total number of infection in the host counties as compared with similar counties that did not host a rally. So, I, I mean, first off, comparable right. counties did not host a rally. You're surrounding rural zones or does that mean well, – here, Here's like, my guess. My guess is they also did proportional analysis instead of logarithmic. Um, so in, instead of just instead of just doing a scaling by proportion to, to normalize for density of population, um, I'm guessing they didn't even normalize for density. They just probably normalized for overall population numbers. So I, I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't say what well, they chose. To yeah, well, I'm, I'm just guessing here for the speed with which this came out and the stupidity with which I'm detecting. Oh yeah, uh, I'm not seeing right either on this thing. I'm my guess is that they didn't normalize their population density. If they did normalization, they probably did uh, proportional scaling instead of logarithmic scaling. Um, so they didn't even get a reasonable factor for the spread. Oh, I found the paper. I, it's on GitHub. Oh, boy. Do we want to actually... I, I mean, know, and, I, then, I, and then you go through this, like, the Trump rallies have led to more than 700 deaths. First off, like, no. they, they say that that's not necessarily among attendees. That's like branch chaining out, which is... That's all kinds of, That's all kinds of... First off, none of this is data. None of this is data. This is all modeling. None of this is actual hard data. This is oh, yeah, all right, yeah, this is and, 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 and let's go with that. Let's let's accept. Let's yeah, this accept is the one I was looking at earlier. And uh, I will counter that with new, uh, what Cuomo did in yeah, New York. This is a Stanford right, paper like, out of the economics department, by the way. So while I believe they're good with numbers. I don't believe they're good with detecting their, their basal premises and, and actually normalizing appropriately. Well, the, the problem, right, so, so this comes down to uh, – epi- I was talking, I think uh, – I don't know whether it was here or we were talking about this. But one of the things that really irks me about epidemiology papers is they, they use these very broad-based statistics, and they make a shitload of assumptions. And then they sit there, and they, they, they just blurt out these assumptions without yeah, – testing. demand applicability, it's, and it doesn't happen. And when you start talking about people who are going after, whether it's climate change or the, the CDC's gun – 
statistics or whatever it is. At the end of the day, what skeptics are doing when they go in and they attack these papers and they attack these politically motivated scientists, they are hardcore testing the assumption. That's what we're doing, right? We assume that they are capable of basic math. This is – that is not the assumption that they aren't capable of math. The question is whether these assumptions hold up, and it looks like they don't. It, it, it looks well, here, like here's, here's another thing. Let's consider, let's consider proportionality. Let's consider the scaling of things here. Yeah. They say – in their introduction, the first sentence, as of this writing, more than 8.7 million Americans have contracted a disease resulting – and I'm just going to skip some of the words here – contracted uh, COVID-19 resulting in more than 225,000 deaths. Dong at all 2020. Fine. Let's just stop right there and just consider the scope and scale of things. 8.7 million infections. They're talking about 30,000, maybe. Yeah, that's... 25,000 yeah. deaths. They're talking about 700, maybe. Yep. Maybe. And this is, again, it's going to come down to modeling later on. They're going to be looking at comparative uh, regions, and they're going to be making a big assumption here that they are similar. And if they talk about similar, similarity is going to come in the mathematical sense here, where you can either do some, where you can do some kind of scaling to make the two values be the same, and then assume that there's going to be some excess due to an event, a particular event. And then you're also going to have to make the assumption that they are separable, as in, without that event happening, the number of difference would not exist. And then on top of that, you have to assume a particular type of scaling, which is what I was talking about with proportional earlier, meaning that there's some multiple factor that's going to increase the size of these numbers given an event existed. Or you have to have another kind of scaling, like say logarithmic, where you take the log of the values and then take the difference of the log of the values. And then that's, while that might seem like it's just proportional, you can also have a cofactor on the log there. So if you do it as, as a, linear, a linear shift in log space, it's no longer just proportional. It can also be like quadratic or you know, anywhere in between. So there's, there's other ways of doing scaling. So they have to assume a scaling. They have to assume a similarity in the region. They have to assume an impact due to a specific event that is also separable. So if it's not separable, and that means that the, the, uh, the, the so, shift that you're going to be looking at may or may not be linear in any space. So the way they identified comparable counties was based on the trajectory of confirmed cases prior to the rally date. That's okay. a weird metric. Well, that, that seems somewhat reasonable, though, doesn't it? It does. It does seem reasonable. So so the, here's the other thing you have to consider now is, all right, were they normalized by density of population? Not just by population, but by the population density, because that is very important in epidemiology. And because no, it's the, the, in the Department the of Economics paper, did. I don't think they did. The, the next thing that they did was then estimate the statistical relationship among those counties between subsequent COVID-19 cases, various conditions such as pre-existing COVID-19 prevalence and pandemic. Yeah, that's what okay. The, the immediately, they, 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 you don't have to believe them then. Yeah, it does. I it mean, I want to. They, it doesn't look like they normalized it in any way. So I, I, like want, I want to believe them on this, that, that this is actually a real effect that they could measure. But if they didn't normalize for something that's as basic in epidemiology as population density, then I have trouble with this. So, so what they actually say is they standard error of each prediction is large, and so therefore they combine the estimates across events to obtain an average treatment effect. Okay. So so basically it reads to me that they basically – they don't have sufficient data from any one of these events to say that there is anything statistically significant. Right. So they add them all up together and then said, hey, it's got to be statistically significant now. Well, so here's the thing. You can actually draw statistical significance over a larger bit data set 
the problem is now you have to start saying, all right, well, for a particular event, did you have a statistically significant effect? The answer is going to be right. no. Right. And exactly. that's the thing. Is if you pull from a larger set like this, and this is actually something I have to do for my work, so I'm, I'm intimately familiar with, with being fucked by this. Um, just to put it just to put it nicely, uh, if you try to pull for a particular a particular circumstance uh, on a distinct effect from a background like this, it's going to be very difficult to come up with something that gives you statistical significance. Whereas if you say, all right, the overall trend is going to be such and such. So the error bars on 700 deaths, for example, have got to be in the neighborhood of a quarter of that. Your your uh, your RCI is going to be probably in the neighborhood of 0. 0.2, 0. 0.25. Yeah, no, I'm, I, and then you see things like uh, their predictions employ few data for comparable county, uh, whereas their epidemiological models do not. And actually, it looks like they specifically – so basically, they, they turned around and they, they set up a whole bunch of counties that they thought were comparable, and then they selected yeah. the ones that had the data that they wanted. So here's the other side of this that's also got to be considered. Uh, some of the other the other factors that may or may not be missing in their analysis. And, and, and again, that they did this work is a good thing. That they, they cherry-picked their data in a certain way. At least, it's you bad. know, it's bad. But, like, so the important thing is that they spell all this out. You know, I, I, can, I, can, I can respect that they spelled out all these assumptions, and then it's a cute paper, fine. Yep. Yeah, well, but, I mean, again, by the time you're done... It's a discussion, but... But by, by the time they – this is one of the problems that you have is by the time you're done with all of your assumption, uh, the, the right. paper's worthless. So here's right? another like that, here's That's another the reality is – Well, so as, as – so it's the same – sorry, here's the same kind of discussion. And this is you know, the difference between chemists and chemical engineers. When you're doing shit in high school chemistry, everything's assumed to be homogeneous. And yep. you know for a fucking fact it's not. So, so this is the kind, same kind of thing is, is, is there's gonna have, they're going to have assumptions that are just non-realistic. But yep. may or may not give you some sort of reasonable basal assumptions you can plow into something that's more complicated. So, okay, let's look at other things that, that they may or may not have considered. All right, so they consider the prevalence of mitigation measures that were involved. You know, who was wearing masks, who was not wearing masks? Were they were they washing their hands regularly? Were they staying indoors more often? You know, was the change was there a big change in social mobility? Right. Uh, things like that. Was, uh, looked after in that regard was just that specific event. There was no follow-up. Right. So, so, so well, I'm, not, I'm not no seeing. Problem. I'm not. See, so they, they say the blah blah blah. A rally could become a quote super spreader event, which is a poorly defined term. So whenever you get behind a vague term like that, you have a big problem because you have to clearly define a boundary if you're gonna if you're going to go around a boundary and make a distinction. If you don't have a boundary that you can distinguish, for instance, let's say you have um, when you're looking at uh, say a diode. Um, and and, and actually, the, they, they talk specifically about what you were talking about there, right? If you go through the paper and right. talk specifically about the fact that uh, one of the problems that they have is that there's actually a lot of heterogeneity between their cross-country sample, which yeah. means that, that you did realistically, if you're reading this, there's no way they got a, a meaningful. They probably just took a whole bunch of stuff, threw it all in a pot and said, hey, this kind of looks like it worked. Yeah, which is also, by the way, fine if they said if that's what they said they did and they did that and it came out with a certain answer, it's fine. It's just again, as you were also saying earlier, that there's an applicability issue here. Is it going to be actually applicable to future data? Is it does it have a predictive? Does it does it have um, predictive worth? Um, well, I'm I'm less concerned about context. predictive worth, but when we start talking about epidemiological, a lot of times they have very very eighteen. Uh, 18 test cases, right? And that's a well, very, yeah, very small. Epidemiologists. 
These aren't that, epidemiologists. This is coming out of the Department of Economics at Stanford. Yeah, it's all the majors. yeah, but they they use when I say that I'm talking yeah. type type studies, right? So the, it, this goes back to like PM two point five, which is kind sure. of a bullshit series in the six uh, the six city study. So they'll they'll make these very broad claims on sample sizes that are typically less than twenty because that's what they can get for their their data. And there's yeah. so many assumptions that get built into these models that by the time you're done, it's just about worthless. It may not be exactly worthless, but it's just about worthless. Yeah. And so, so, yeah, so these, these are great preliminary studies. If yes. you want to say we should study something more, then you can just showing a hint of something there is excellent. So but, and as far as that goes, this is great for piling into a new study and you know, say getting grant money to do a study. Fine. It would it would have been interesting had they decided to do this and say the the protests that were going over all summer, right? Well, like what, what is the incident data, there? There's also more data to consider in that context where you have so not only not only say those protests like the Antifa side things, but also say the haircut Karen's who said I want to get out of the home. That's yep. also a valid group of people to look after. And I I would blame all of these fuckers for the increases in incidents in their areas. And well, I mean, intuitively. It, maybe, maybe. And look, I, I fully my, agree that I should be able to leave the home and make my own fucking my, adult decisions. My, my simple argument is that bad. You, you have, we have one method, one method and one method only to control a disease, and that is quarantine. And if you hit a certain level of people that escape quarantine – all, all bets are off. I mean, herd immunity is the inevitable approach. We are all eventually going to track this thing. Yeah, you can, maybe. you can, you can dress it up however the fuck you want. But once you got beyond twelve cases in the United States, we were done, right? Well, like there, we're just there's, done. There's, 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 there are other. I would argue that even in a realistic scenario here, there are other ways to go about. Fine. You know, you can go down. You can pick your poison on this and say we're going to go down the road where everyone's going to get it eventually. Blah blah blah. Fine. And so, so I'm say, I would say arguably there's other paths to go down, but if we just go down that road, then the major concern is that we're not going to flood hospitals. Right, and exactly. Right now, in our third peak, is that we are having problems. And the main reason that hospitals looked empty is you have to remember that epide epide uh, epidemics travel along uh, sigmoidal trajectories, and they have exponential phases. Exponential phases as are, by their name, nonlinear. And that's the main reason why you were seeing hospitals that looked empty. They were being empty. The whole point was to make it so that it should look like we overreacted if we did everything right. We should look like we did something really stupid. We paid a bunch of money for a result that uh, that was great, but we should, you know, we can look back and point fingers and say, "Hey, this was dumb. Why did we do this? Maybe next time we don't need to do it, et cetera, et cetera." We want to be in that position. That well, is, we are. That's the perfect we are, though, right? Like we're not right now. We're right now. We are terminally fucking ourselves by being confused about this being an end goal that we want to be in. Well, and the, I, I think at the end of the day, that's the, the, the principal issue, right, is that we have never hit that point where we actually get to say, hey, was this really a problem or was it really a problem? No, what we've right? been doing is doing that prematurely like idiots because, well, well idiots have power. Again, I, I, you know, you, you and I stands a little bit different here in our risk perspectives and risk right. acceptance and that's tolerance on this issue, right? But at the end of the day, right, we're not looking at something that is super crazy nasty, and the fact that we we did all of these things, and so so well, I guess we we have two things on our plate, right? 
we either need to turn around and say that all of these things didn't work or sure. we can say that all of these things did work and that it's the only reason that it's you know slowly spreading now so so here's here's but, what i would say on this. we're trying to live in this world of this is an absolute crisis and so simultaneously that all of the actions taken have been utterly useless so here's 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 my main problem with the way that we've implemented things is we allowed politicians to have a major say in the way things were done and completely destroy the credibility of any authority that actually does have a positive impact. You know, for a great example is uh, Adolf Schittmer up over in, uh, in uh, 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 Michigan. You know, she, she decided that she was going to implement the lockdowns in a very, very, very partisan way and then completely ignore all of them to go and have fun with her family over and wherever oh. the fuck. Well, like, that's I mean, just, that is just asinine and completely immoral. And I shit mean, like that just needs not to happen. And now whenever they decide that they're going to have some sort of change in their lockdown procedures, they have to go back and say, okay, but fine, this bitch did this to us this time. Is why, what are we going to do differently this time? What, is, what, what assurances can you give us that we're not going to have more of this partisan bullshit that targets specific groups of people? And the fact is they can't give any of those assurances because they've no. completely destroyed any of that credibility. Well, and then well, the it, problem is you have this, people uh, like Fauci. attitude, too, of the uh, leadership. Like, yeah. I can and you cannot. Like, they also have assholes like Fauci, who, by the way, is not wrong when he says a lot of the stuff he says. But then he ha he decides, out of the blue, he's going to be finally respective of his need to only give out official positions when he's in an official capacity, when he's sitting in front of Congress. But then he's going to go on shit like CNN and then bloviate in a personal capacity without distinguishing that he is not talking as a health provider, as a, uh, sorry, a health administrator. So well, I mean, when, that, when are you going to go when, on there and have an when you're talking, what you're talking about is the the credibility of experts. It's not just credibility. It's also it's not just credibility. It's also the opinions that they're espousing. If you're going to be putting out a personal opinion in your official when you're designated in your official role in a per, in a private space like say a news network, and then try to hide behind your official capacity when you're in front of Congress, that is asinine. That also destroys the credibility of anything that you're saying that is credible. Like, that is actually reasonable or factual. If you're going to do that kind of shit and then just, just back out of your own... If you're just going to back out of your own positions, then why the hell should anybody listen to you, even I, if I, you're right? I well, think I think less than that... I think, I think the biggest issue that we have when we start talking about COVID and our response to it is that we turned around and we said two weeks to slow the spread. And and you start looking at these states, right? And we're at like... I said, I said a month. I said a month at the very beginning of that, didn't I? I said you need at least a month, if not two. Regardless of what you said, right? That uh, I did. The, I was the, 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 the political, the the political folks turned around and they didn't back off, right? No, here's the other thing: is you I would know, say that up too. It'll be gone by Easter. Yeah, it wasn't, was it? That that's true. And well, I well, here's the thing: I, I know he was trying to be hopeful. He was trying to be right, positive. Exactly. I, I get that. I was, and and I fully agree that you should be upbeat about things, yes. try to get people through the hardest of this kind of stuff. But he didn't give a realistic mes uh, message at that point, and that no. was the point to give a realistic message because that was pre-lockdown. Well, it wasn't for me, but whatever. well, pre-pre-lockdowns -pre across the country. Yeah, that, you're, you're in you're in dipshit land. So, you know, I've, hey, you know what? Cuomo's Cuomo's a special case where he simps so hard for the Muslims he bans the Jews. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the chosen people got chosen for being fucked over. Oh my God. But I, I mean, I, I guess I guess my issue is that we started with uh, you start talking about lockdowns. Right. And we say, hey, we're going to do two weeks on and yep. then a few months off. 
And that's just to prevent us from overrunning our healthcare system. And we're going to get back to normal and we're just going to keep on keeping on and it's going to come back. And that was a very responsible way of talking about it, right? Because herd immunity is one option, right? And that's basically how you handle it so we don't get swamped. And both of those things are perfectly rational and reasonable. And we've turned it into let's cater to the cowards where we're going to sit there and we're going to shut down the economy. We're going to shut down the country. And what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to create a massive welfare state and keep people going with federal. All that shit shit is just beyond beyond the pale. They're basically trying to. So like every other fucking thing, this entire administration, they're trying to ram through their Christmas list every time there's an opportunity. And yep. this, was one, this was a gigantic opportunity, and the Democrats couldn't fucking let one opportunity go by. Every crisis is one for them. So yep. instead so of being able to get Rahm so, so immortal words, you don't let a crisis go to waste, right? And so, so instead of allowing something as simple as a, a targeted bill giving every American family or every American such and such amount of money, blah blah blah, they can't even let that shit go through. They have to come in with welfare assistance bullshit. For every one of the places that has had these riots, because all of a sudden people have to pay for them. Yep. Well, and and I, I'm that's an issue. I think my biggest issue was that that uh, you start looking at places like New York or California, which locked down harder. If we're locked down for two weeks, that's one thing, right? That's one sure. thing. You're going to start shutting down for six months. And then you need to sit there yeah. and start bailing people out. And so what you're going to do is you're going to take all of these people and you're going to provide them a massive un- – I mean we basically turned around and gave everybody a $50,000 a year salary as long as they stayed unemployed. And you wonder why the economy is in a shit. Right. right? Like, right. like we no, basically – like, Here's the other thing. When they talk about lockdowns, this is the part that really pissed me off. This is also part of the credibility issue. When they talk about lockdowns, they didn't fucking lock down. They just kind of said, oh, well, some businesses are not allowed to exist. Yes. Yeah. Instead of saying, oh, you should stay in your home or else, there was nowhere else there. If you're going to make it so that it's not an adult's decision to stay home, then you better do it right. Otherwise, you're just going to sit there and limp along. If they'd done a two-month hard line, very detailed, and like, if they just did a quarantine, if they did an actual quarantine for two months, this fucker would be gone. There'd be nothing of it left. It would be starved out. Yeah, instantly. but but I don't think that would be feasible. It, it, right? no, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's I'm not absent feasibility, absent absent morality, or any of that shit. Okay, all right. So so, you're, you're, so so we're going to let everybody Mad Max it out. So yeah, and, for, uh, and, and you know the, the entirety of the world shuts down. We go to third world nation status for third for for two months. We're going to ignore all that. Yeah, we could have sat there and beat COVID. And that's yeah. that's uh, uh, sure. I'll, I'll agree with that's you. What I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. There, there is a there are specific circumstances which overcome this, and there are combinations of of, of shades of gray which can still get it done. And we've magically avoid, managed to avoid every fucking one of them because politics. Well, I think I think that again, you know, what we should have well, done. I, I was for I was for herd There's immunity no at the to. beginning. It's, you know, it's a it's a nice place. You'd have a you should have you know the well, nearest herd China immunity is not going to be a reasonable thing if it goes seasonal. Well, Look, that's the thing, right? So, so had we not turned around and done the thing that we did, so so it, had we gone for herd immunity, kept the whole thing open, we'd be done by now, right? Well, that's the thing that, is we, we might, no, well, that's that's the problem is we might still so there's downstream effects which are a major problem. This sure. thing can hit you, this thing can hit you multiple times. Herd immunity. Uh, is, I think they just came up and said that for the most part, no. you're you're one oh, and here, done. Here's the thing: uh, if no, in, in the current climate where you are not likely to get exposed to it again, then sure. 
But if you just allowed things to be open and you had normal social mobility, if you got, came in contact with other people before two weeks or so after your infection has completely cleared, and we're talking two weeks to a month post-infection, I, I know it, it seems like it just has, keeps getting larger a window, but it is, it's two weeks to a month for your IgG. It it's, it's two weeks to a month for your IgG to build up to, peak, to, uh, to reasonable values to fight off an infection. But if your viral load exceeds a threshold within that time, you're going to get infected again. It is not going to be something where you just fight it off in a day. It's another I, full-blown infection. Maybe that's the case, right? But at the end of the but day... Again, I said, if that's with normal social mobility, which means that's not likely to happen right now. If we, if we had turned around and gone for herd immunity, we'd be done by now. That's we also have a lot more. We'd have a lot more dead people. Not, I know, not, I know. A, ton, not a ton. The, the percentages are not very high for that. No, so, well, the, keep in mind, we don't have a problem with our hospitals being overrun right now. A because we have private medicine, because uh, Italy didn't have that. Also, Italy got swamped without knowing what was happening because they had the fucking hug a Chinese campaign. Oh, so this is involved. Hmm. Uh oh, we were being too loud, weren't we? Uh, no, just a little bit. He's just <laughs> <laughs> is the dog back in begging for, begging for crisps? Huh? Uh, no, no, he's he's not here. I like that dog. He has the right attitude. Bitch, uh, give me a chip. Actually, I do <laughs> though. I have some good news to uh, kind of close us out on. We've got yeah, sure. a new study coming out that uh, the strong antibody response it was. Uh, resides for, on average, they're saying about five months. Uh-huh. Three to five months. So that's, I mean, it's not oh, great, good, but that's good. decent. So, here, here's, so here's the, the average. For, uh, this is just per my, per my recollection, so don't quote me on this or give me, you know, ask for a paper, but this is what I've been saying for months also. The, for the human infectious members of coronavirus, the average peak, in, peak uh, immunity, so the, max, the peak concentration of IgG in the blood, that occurs uh, is about three months after infection, and the immunity lasts for about two years, one to two years. Uh, so if we're getting if we're getting robust antibody response that's stable for at least five months, then that means peak immunity is probably happening later than three months, and we're probably going to have a longer term immunity. This is a condition in which Steve could be right about herd immunity actually being effective. Again, if it goes seasonal, we have a problem. Yeah, but I mean, it's so, a big problem. Sure, but at the same time, at the same well, time, allows people to be we, infected. This this hit in March. If right. we just well, suck no, it up, February. But anyway, whatever, going. whatever. But sure, we're, we're quibbling over a month. Yeah. At the end of the day, you're going to have time for it to race all the way through the population. Everything stays open. Nobody takes an economic hit. We still have a boom going on. The stock market's still going crazy. Oh. And we just we just go so, with it. Yes, there are shitty things that will happen. So Steve, you but have to it consider, would not go seasonal. Here's the thing you have to consider. Well, that's inviting seasonal right off the bat. But but that said, because you're inviting reservoir populations, all that said, you would have had a major economic crisis for some, for some very obvious reasons here. Number one, hospital overrun. You have a lot of people who need to go to a hospital that can no longer go to one. Uh, number two, lost productivity, in part because of reason number one, but also in part because just, you know, most of the people being sick. All that said, I mean, long, all that said the, the more important thing is the longer-term impacts. So the fact of the matter is, 
once you once you come back from this thing, there is a long list of sickly that are likely not to hit for a few months, let alone maybe a decade. And it's one of those things is the fact that you are now twice as likely to get a heart attack once you get this thing. Period. I mean, Overall, just period. I, I'd have to I'd have to see the data validating that. But at the end of the day, sure. at the end of the day, yes, there are nasty effects. That is Major. a reality. Sure, it's generation it's generation crippling is what I'm saying. I I don't think it would be. I not, think no, that what no. we have done there are shades has of gray on crippled that. the generation. There are right? shades like, of gray on that, but what I'm saying is if so, the economic hit that we're talking about here is coupled to the medical hit, the health hit. Because if when you have when you have people that get sick, they don't go to work, or if they do go to sure. work. If they do go to work, they don't work as effectively, and they cost and, more and, employees and because yes. they have healthcare concerns. They have to cover. Yes, there would there would be costs that, associated that, with having the disease. Now, now that the is cost a major, associated with having the disease is less than the costs of doing what we've done. So, if you look back at previous epidemics in the country that are of similar concern, this is one I would call a once in a hundred years event. So, this is like the nineteen eighteen event, but it's also the nineteen sixty. Less all, severe than the 19th. Well, here's the thing. The difference between then and now is that we have better technology. We have better mitigation measures. So when I say it's the once-in-a-hundred-year event and it's similar, I'm not saying that the relative severity to the population is going to be similar. Context what I'm saying is that the disease is similar in its severity uh, to, to what's – so anyway, anyway. We have, there's also the Hong Kong flu, which is 1967 or 68, right? So if, you look at, if you look at the way that the economics worked out, the market – takes a huge hit no matter what you do between these different events. And, and there's, there's another one that was in the 50s, and then you have you know, swine flu, Zika, et cetera. You can point to all these. You have a major drop in, economic, uh, in the economic metrics, but you also spring back pretty quickly. Yes. You, you, return, you regress to the mean very quickly, no matter what you do, which is why in this last quarter, in quarter three of this year, we had a 33% growth in, in the uh, – in the, um, what was it? The, which market was it? Was GDP or the – or the stock market, whichever it was. It's probably the fastest where it was. We had the fastest growth that we'd ever have seen. And then econo- economists are saying, oh, but that's slowing down. It's like, well, no shit, Sherlock. It's called regression to the mean. Well, and and I, I agree with all of the statements. But at the same time, just because the stock market sits there and goes up doesn't mean that we haven't decimated a ton of people. Right. Like yeah, I, no, I'm well, there, there are businesses that are not coming back. Right. I, I'm okay back. because I'm part of the defense industry, right? And so, so no matter what, I get paid. But at the same time, you start taking a look at some of these other folks who are not so well off. And right. yeah, we, we, we really do have to start talking about what are the negative impacts that we had on had to these people. And it's pretty significant. Well, here's the thing. Is right? you like, I, they I, may or may not have been – they might have gotten like that anyway. I, I don't think they would have, though, right? Like they, well, if, that all hasn't employees, if, if all their employees are sick, they would have had no employees to do the work. I'm so, look, so at a yeah, personal level not, here, not everybody's going to get sick at the here, same time. At a personal level here, I can also say, and, and this this is anecdotal, so you know one one instance here, so it's not going to be as relevant. Uh, and, and actually, I can say that it's more than one person, but I just as a for instance, my girlfriend right now. You know, thank God she's getting better, but she, for the last couple of weeks, I have barely been able to sleep because she's she's got the bug. It sucks. You know, she's so got she, COVID? She's, she's, yeah. Well, she hasn't gotten tested, but she had all the damn signs, you know, anosmia and all that kind of good 
crap. Um, I'm pretty Locking, sure I had it back that. in like January. But... So, well, get yourself tested because I'm I'm curious about the numbers and it, that that kind of info is good for the epidemiologists anyway. If you got yeah. the insurance and shit, you know. I I mean again I I understand yeah. I understand that there are personal impacts and right. I understand that there so are personal the point, impacts the that are going to be negative. A relatively the question person. is the question is. How do we mitigate damage to the greatest extent well, possible? What I'm saying and, about and the economic impact what we've done, is that she's been home from work because she couldn't work for weeks now. Sure. Which means that the productivity at work has not been replaced. And if it, even if it has been replaced, the fact that she got exposed there while she's fairly well protected, mind but you. But take a, take a look at what we did with how many people were out of work and for how long they were out of work. And that's that's longer than she'll be out of work. Yes, there is going yeah. to be a hit. When I say herd immunity, I'm not sitting there and thinking this is some rose, rose-colored uh, oh, I, I get world it. I get where mean. everything is fucking amazing. It, it's, but it's better than the alternative, which we're yeah. living through right now. Well, what I've right? been arguing here is that the alternative is not a whole lot different because you're going to have this loss of productivity anyway. You're going now, to have some productivity loss, so, but it's so not going to be the same scale. She's not only worried about being able to go back to work as if someone else has filled the role. Her job might not be there anymore because the business might have shut down because everyone got sick. I, Does that make sense? We have, we, yeah, I get what you're okay. saying, but, but basically, <laughs> basically where we're talking about, we're talking about a two-week period, right? That's roughly how long your infection lasts. Well, right? no, she's, she's only about halfway through with two weeks. Your infection lasts about a month. If you're if you're not particularly lucky here, which means yeah. and a lot of people that are going to go through that. But there's that's not a huge proportion, uh, percentage wise. Not a lot of people are going to go through. Percentage wise, not a lot of people. Are so again, it, it depends on what kind of healthcare you have access to and what kind of situation you find yourself in. If you're capable of staying home with good medicine and with a, a job that's going to just kind of let you do what you need to do, if you can hammer it out in two weeks. You're lucky. I, I, I. The majority of cases per the CDC are within two weeks. Yes, there are cases that go longer. For, for resolution of the viral load, not for resolution of symptoms. I mean, at the end of your two weeks, the viral load drops. Your symptoms will proceed to get better. We've all worked. We've all we've all worked when we're coughing up phlegm. And sure. have like snot dribbles and snot rockets and do like tissue walruses and the whole bit. Like we've all been there, right? right. That's a real thing that we have to deal with. But the consequence for what we did do is worse than that. We have businesses that aren't coming back because we locked down to try to save the people. Yeah. Right. Yes. Well, what I'm saying as, as a thing that you're saying, what, again, what I just said, it, there are businesses that are going to go out. Just because, but I don't think that's going to happen when somebody's out for two weeks and then they come back. Even if they're at eighty, right? Even if they're only at eighty percent efficient, when they sure. come back after their two weeks, that's still better than being closed for six months. No, well, I, I look, what there's no argument that two weeks and six months are very different numbers here. And how this is this kind of would go out logarithmically? You know, it's the same kind of issue with a zombie apocalypse you know you get a couple of people out and then a couple of people more a couple of people more and you know it's without the proper distance you know you're going to be running into these uh these exact issues yeah. you know, where by the way for, for for listeners who are wondering like why we're being loud and, and annoying towards each other this is how you disagree with each other if you're doing stuff like stem 
yeah. at the end of the day, I don't hate him as a person. I just disagree with. Are his you opinion. sure? You sure you don't hate me? That's too bad. Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't hate you because you have a dog, and like I like uh, dog people. Ah, uh, okay. Well, that's that's fair. I mean, you don't give the guy a fucking chip, so I mean, there is that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he, I, I'm supporting he's a terrorist in your household. Man, right? man you want to know what? Like, so, so that dog, right? I was, I was very drunk uh, a couple nights ago, and uh, so I left the chocolate baked goods out that my oh, wife no. made. He downed, he downed enough of it that he was sick. And uh, of all, like, so, so he was thrown up, and I was drunk, yeah. and so I'm, I'm coming out of bed, like, stumbling down because I think somebody's breaking into the house because there's weird noises, right? And I had no idea what it was. So he skittered all the way down the stairs, and man, uh, he decided to throw up on the stairs. So I'm like trying to sneak mm, yes. down the stairs to like take out whoever has decided to come after. I don't know what it is that they want to steal in my house, but whatever it is, I'm gonna go take them on, and I. I slipped on the Hershey Highway from hell all the way down. I mean, <laughs> I hit those st- like I can. I, I, I'm sitting oh, here and like boy, I turn on my brutal. side. I'm in pain. There was dog chocolate vomit on the ceiling of the lower stairs because it was just splattering as I went down the stairs. Oh, so wow. it was a it was a fun day. That's why the dog doesn't get chips. You feed him you feed him <laughs> chips, and then he's gonna want some chocolate. Yeah, if you give a mouse a cookie, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but man. yeah, no, I, there's there's no hatred here. But these are these are on. I got this is uh this is how stuff goes oh. over at work with. Oh, ANN. All right, so we got a real news network here. Oh my god. Mostly, it's just. I don't know. There's, there's some of them I like. So, some of the people that are that are there I like. Well, specifically, I, a lot of them I think are fucking nuts. But you know, they're linked to some stuff here. I don't have anybody. So, else that's really so do you prefer OANN or MSNBC? Oh, oh, OANN. Oh, any day. There's no contest. Yeah, I mean, you know, at least look, one's honest about where they're coming from. MSCN and ABBC is, uh, is all a horrible network, so just don't even get me started on that shit. <laughs> but I wanted to close on this because it's actually That's another... my cram acronym. Yeah. But I was wanting to close on this because it's uh, another final bit of good news for people just uh, as we're going into the end of the year. All right, so the Pfizer's trial... Yeah. You, you know what I think is the funniest thing about the uh, the the vaccine stuff is we turn around and they're, they're all like we have to stay all of the Democratic governors are all we have to stay locked down until a vaccine comes out. No. And then Trump sits there and talks about the vaccine during the debates. And they're like, oh, no, we need to make sure it actually works before we so sit there. The and you're like, come on, guys. Look, 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 in principle, they're not wrong. It's just that they're very yes. stupid people saying the right thing. Yes. Well, I mean, so, I, I so think of course you want to make it. We're gonna we're gonna get a, a vaccine, and that's what's gonna do it. And then all of a sudden, so, so, the second Trump says something about it, oh yeah, they, they all say, all of a sudden it's all of a sudden vaccines are suspicious. Fuck. So here's, here's the thing: here's the thing with vaccines, especially given the way that China blundered their SARS vaccines. Twelve months is roughly the amount of time you should expect. I'm all for Trump trying to give people hope. I'm not expecting a vaccine within 12 months to be to be viable. If it is viable, I will be very interested in what the companies file to the F, uh, FTC or FDA, uh, and I'd be very interested to see what their their research suggests as far as enhancement effects. Which is the main reason why the China uh, vaccine was cut off for SARS. They gave they had already given it out to like 100,000 people, and then they were killing thousands of people by enhancement effects. And so they said, okay, since SARS is gone, we can just go ahead and not do the vaccine anymore. And then, of course, you know, years later, we have this shit come back to bite us. 
So it's not like this hasn't been looked at for over a couple decades now. By when this thing started, I think we had like 25 years of research into coronavirus vaccines already kind of under the belt. Yep. So this isn't exactly an unresearched area. It's just that there hasn't been uh, of of um, existential imperative to drive forward the actual research to get a vaccine production ready. So this is great news that they're doing these kinds of large scale trials. And it's also great news that the Americans are doing it well, because me, we actually give a shit about enhancement effects. Well, let me pause you for just a quick second and put down what the numbers are that are reported here. It's yeah. phase two and three trials. They've enrolled 42,113 participants and 35,771 participants are on their second vaccination round. So, All right, but what's the, what's the uh, frequency is a good question there. What's the, well, as, the as dose? Say, it's OAN in it, so we don't really have that. Okay, well, and, and whatever. I well, mean, here, that's, that's two, about two, the two, scale two. that you'd need to detect it, detect, detect that it's effective. So two two dose two dose um, a two dose so let's we'll assume that they have like a three or four dose schedule that they're yep. going on two doses in is great especially if they haven't done a um, a, a health a health check pause so when they did those pauses well, they did or, do, though. oh okay Pfizer, actually, with um... the fact that it's continued is great news then yeah well they they, they turned around and they. Um... What was it? it? Was like two people died from the, oh, died after taking the vaccine. Oh right, right, and, okay. And then and they they did actually so they did do a pause, but it turned around that that it wasn't. Uh, yeah, they they uh, found that it wasn't related in any way, shape, or form or something like that. Yeah, it's like they had yeah. some sort of underlying uh, other issue. That we, right. Yeah. Have this, otherwise this is all great news that COVID either way. It's terrible that they died, but it's just, it's great news that it wasn't because of the vaccine. Yeah, small victories. Yeah, I mean, I feel terrible for the families because they had hope uh, that this was going to help them. And then, well, nope. I mean, I, I don't think they died of COVID or anything like that. Well, no, I, if I, I remember I, correctly, those two cases were like on the way out, anyways. And why were yeah, they included yeah. in the study to begin with? Well, the why are they included in the study to begin with is to get a, a representative sample of your population to work against. Mm. And and unfortunately, sometimes that involves people who are who are not going to do so well. Well, like with the uh, some of the initial hydroxychloroquine tests, they were done with yeah. people that were well, far beyond. That's the funny thing, isn't it? The way that the testing works is you don't get into that stuff early enough, then you, you don't really help. Which is sad. You know, what? where yeah. did hydroxychloroquine end up? Oh, so I know uh, that they, they had a whole bunch of negative stuff, and then like that got retracted, and it was a giant shit show the whole the whole it's way down. It's not being used in hospitals right now, and the main reason is because once you get to the stage where you need hospitalization, it basically is not going to help. Yeah, it's it's something that's uh, useful at a small window, but we've got other therapeutics that are basically better and, at this point. And it's only it. it's only useful it's only useful if you do it in combination with other drugs and it's not entirely apparent why and without any kind of pharmacokinetics or uh, in vitro studies to, to drive home an answer on that, it's not really a good thing to just kind of wing it. Yeah, so there's, you don't, you don't have as different and, uh, supplementation. And then there's another thing uh, to add in there. Like if you, without, without this combination of meds, the outcome is not as, as, uh, as, yeah, basically what you want to do is just look up the supplementation that you do with this and just kind of build your diet around that because you're putting the things in there that you need for your body to fight this. Yeah, so zinc, zinc and magnesium are very big for your immune system. So and just having sure getting enough sun, if you're not getting enough sun, take a vitamin D supplement. That yeah. is showing a 
huge correlation in good so, outcomes. So, um, well, basically, get yourself some breakfast cereal that's fortified, and spend some time outside. And well, so, so when I when I saw the vitamin D stuff, I, I'm actually very suspicious of the vitamin D things well, because at the end of the day, forever. at the end of the day, vitamin D. Right, vitamin D is always going to be more plentiful in people who are more active. Right, always well, here's, here's off the, the top of the bat. Here's the thing: it's 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 been a thing for decades, on and off, disputed, undisputed. For as, as far as sickness, the yes. same thing with mega dosing vitamin C. So, like you can you can go around like so you know the just pounding orange juice out in the sun, walking around. It's probably going to be good for you anyway. Actually, don't do that. Don't pound orange juice. That's Oh, no, don't eat a don't block of your, oranges. Don't, don't block your kidneys. <laughs> you know? Well, here's, here's the thing. Eating oranges is going to... So, all right, if you get orange juice that is not filled with sugar from a shitty company, if you get yourself... I, I'm going to go ahead and tout this one because I, get to, I fucking get to. If you get yourself some Florida orange juice that's just squeezed <laughs> oranges, that's just squeezed oranges and so not, not filled with extra sugar... Then it's just oranges. It's just like if you're eating oranges anyway. Well, it is, but I mean, you are also basically just drinking a concentrated sugar thing. So it is better to honestly burn the calories of peeling the orange. And oh, that's so that. negligible. You fucking yeah, know it. Like... Don't <laughs> give me that <laughs> shit. I, I will give you that shit, sir. I absolutely will. Go for a fucking walk instead. That is infinitely better for you. Go for a walk. I, I mean, you, you like a thirty-minute walk burns hardly any calories. Calories from peeling oranges. Give me a <laughs> break. And I think. Chewing. I think. I think if you're walking, and walking thirty minutes uphill, it's like three hundred. And so you want to compare that to peeling an orange. Yeah. Well. Okay. Good point. Okay, you should take the orange with you while you walk up the hill. Okay. All right, I can agree. Fine, fine. It'll keep you outside. You'll enjoy a fucking orange. You'll walk around. Perhaps do that. Carry a couple and juggle. You'll get your. You know, oh my god! Now, no, we're adding more stipulation here. What's and next? They're gonna have to put on mind makeup. Well, no, I was thinking maybe put on an audio book, or better still, subscribe to the podcast on Anchor. But with that oh, being said, I think that's probably the most perfect outro I could actually come up with ever. So it's been great, everybody. We'll see you all again really soon. <laughs>